Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. And away we go with another show here in Canada's Queen City. Michael Ball, Sean Kleisinger with you. 936-6262, the number to call if you want to talk some sports, or one 767 You can always text us at that number, powered by the Capital Auto Group, 936-6262. Oh, as an Edmonton Oilers fan, I always think about this day. I had to be reminded of it. I, I had put it on the back burner, and, and then you and Blaine had to bring it up, Sean. Um, Blaine Weiland from our sports department, August 9th. Yeah. 1988, I remember exactly where I was. I was pulling into, it was a Saturday, if I'm not mistaken, and I was pulling into Tee Off Mini Golf Park, which is a golf course that I worked at right across from Lakeshore Par, Lakeview Par 3, pardon me. And uh, yeah, found out Wayne Gretzky had been traded to the Los Angeles Kings. Hard to believe. Heard it on the radio? Yep. It's when all. Tough day. It was a tough day. Tough day. What's the one trade that hit you hard? That's one that's that was the one. If Wayne Gretzky can get traded, uh, anybody can get traded. Well, for me, I don't know if it's a trade, but it's uh, the first week of March 2008. I was sitting in my science class, grade 10 science class, and uh, that's when I got the text message from my friend Joe Hockey. Shout out Joe Hockey. What's up, my friend? And uh, the text message uh, text message said. Brett Favre retired, and when I saw that, I cried. I had to go. I had to go to the washroom. Sorry, I apologize. It wasn't uh, August. It wasn't a Saturday. It was a Tuesday. It was a Tuesday. Oh, close yeah. enough. Yeah, it was a Tuesday, but it was a summer. That's why I was at. I was working during the day at Tiaf Park. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Tuesday. I think Favre retired on March fourth. Uh, if I'm. But then he unretired. Yeah. And then he played, and then he. Retired and unretired yeah. again, and the other one that hurt a lot was when uh, we let go Jordy, Jordy Nelson a few years ago. That one really daggered my the heart. one from the Riders was when we cut Bobby Jerson. Oh, remember yeah. when we cut Bobby Jerson back in the day? No, I don't really remember. No, but, you were a ki- little kid, yeah. but we cut Bobby Jerson. That one hurt. Yeah, that hurt for sure. Uh, that's a good. That's a good one on the text line. Text text up. Yeah, what know? sporting what sporting transaction rocked your world? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna create a Twitter poll as well. Serious. What sporting transaction? I can't really do that. But. What what sporting transaction rocked your world? Mm-hmm. Well, let's come up with it. The Gretzky one's one we can use as an option. What other one can we use? That was a big deal. Big. LeBron James. Gary Joseph being traded from the Rough Riders was a big one. Yeah. After his MOP season, mm-hmm. that was a big one. Weston Dressler. But that was free agency. He just got cut. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. So so Gretzky traded. Kerry Joseph traded, and who else was a really legendary big-time trade? I'm trying to think off the top. Oh, Joe Montana. He <laughs> went from the 49ers to the Kansas City Chiefs, right? He got traded, didn't he? 
I believe so. He switched his number to 19. Looked pretty good in it. Took him to the playoffs. That's true. He went from 16 to 19. Yeah. That's well, something. Let's see. We got a call. Yeah, let's see. Probably somebody was telling us we're wrong. Yeah. All right, we got the call. Hi, who's this? It's Pat Dowd here. Hey, man. How's it going? Great. What's up, man? Okay, now, is this the radio? Yeah, it's the sports cage. That's right. Yeah. You bet. No, uh, the big one was Tim Horton when he got traded to Buffalo. Oh, Tim Horton. Mm. Wow, that's going way back, man. Yeah, Boston Creams. Yeah, uh, Toronto won three uh, Stanley Cups, and and uh, it was a bad, bad, bad day when we lost Tim Horton. Wow. Yeah, you... He flipped his... Uh, he had a convertible... Uh, they named it all off, but he had a little convertible and mm-hmm. going up and down the road and got to get here and got to get there and staying too late somewhere. And <laughs> he was behind and he got he got, got himself killed. Yeah, I, I terrible. Yeah, yeah terrible. that was terrible. Yeah, for sure. And now we have Tim Horton's The Coffee all over. Mm-hmm. It's unreal. Yep. I, too bad. I start my. What's your first name again? Patrick. Patrick, thanks for the call, man. I appreciate it. It's a nice Irish name. Take care. Yeah, it's good, man. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Patrick. It's awesome. So, yeah, so Montana, Joe Montana did get traded uh, to the Kansas City Chiefs, signed a $10 million contract over three years. Think about that. That's <laughs> big time money back Joe, then, yeah, baby. Big time money. Joe yeah. Montana. Joe Montana. Send him on out there. He got him as far as the AFC Championship game when he got smoked by the Buffalo, right? They lost to the Buffalo Bills, didn't they, in the AFC Championship game, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, Joe Montana, so that'll be our poll. Which of these was a bigger deal? Gretzky getting traded? That's not a good way to word it. This, we should have done some show prep. Mm-hmm. So, here we go. Let's let's redo this. You you write this down, Zinger. All right. Which of these had a bigger impact on you? Gretzky's trade to the LA Kings. Joe Montana. From the Kansas City Chiefs to the San Francisco 49ers. Remember, Joe was the face of the NFL then. Still, I think he was the face then. I mean, Aikman was there and everything, but yeah, he was he still the guy. Super Bowls. He was still the guy. And uh, what's the, oh, Kerry Joseph traded from the Edmonton or from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders to the Toronto Argonauts after his MOP oh, that season. Was brutal. That, that was that brutal. That was so dumb. Yeah, in my opinion. <laughs> well, we moved on to Marcus Crandall. Well, look at look what he did. Tillman did that with Ricky Ray in Edmonton, didn't he? he traded Ricky Ray. Did he trade Ricky? Didn't he trade? Who did we get back for Kerry Joseph? Did we get Stephen Giles? Yeah, because it was Crandall and and I gotta figure that out. We well, no, I thought Giles came from Edmonton. This for is a some very reason. bad start to the show. We just have no idea what we're doing. Hey, hey man. Well, Giles, I thought Giles got traded for Kerry for uh, Ricky Ray. Yeah. But I could be wrong. Kerry Joseph traded. All I know is two thousand eight. It was it was Crandall and it was Giles and just <laughs> Kerry Joseph was traded from the Riders to the Argonauts on March fifth, two thousand eight, along with a two thousand ten third round draft pick in exchange for offensive tackle Glenn January, mm. defensive lineman Ronald Flemons. The Argos twenty or two thousand eight first round pick and a two thousand and ten selection. So Stephen Giles got traded from uh, Toronto to Edmonton back that's then because thought, yeah. uh, for Kerry Joseph or for uh, Ricky Ray in that trade. Yeah, yeah that's uh, so. Dude traded Ricky Ray and Kerry Joseph. Yeah. I just don't understand. You know, the dude wins you a Grey Cup for the first time since nineteen eighty nine and was the MOP by MOP way. that classic Labor Day game against Winnipeg. I, I don't know. Whatever. 
we we got a great cup out of that is the, that, is, that is the greatest great cup or uh, sorry that is the greatest Labor Day game of all time. Yeah, I was sitting upper deck, west side of the stadium. That was amazing, man. I was actually helping somebody move into their house and do some repairs. I wasn't at that game. I wasn't on the broadcast, and I was in kind of just a north edge of North Central, and I could hear the stadium. Oh, it was crazy. Got another call. Okay, let's go to the phone line, Western Pizza Hotline. Hi, who's this? This is Wayne here. Borsa calling. Hi, Wayne. I've got to tell you, you guys forgot one. He was so stupid. Our old coach, member Ray Yock? Yeah. Well, Dave Ridgeway was traded because Dave was complaining about Joey Yock, who was the holder. That's a good one. That's yeah, a really that's good one. I, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that one. Thanks, Wayne. Thank you, Wayne. Yeah, yeah. That, that really was so stupid. That was dumb. You're abs- you're absolutely right, Wayne Borsa. You said, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, my my cousin is Kyle. Yeah, I was gonna say any relation to Kyle Borsa. Every Borsa in Canada I'm related to. There's only a handful of them. Well, that's good. Uh, Kyle Borsa. Now the uh, the physical. Uh, how do they call that now? They don't call them gym teachers. What do they call them? They call them. Um, oh, what do they call it? Physical education. Person, person. <laughs> he 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 really felt he had to take it because it was a, a job that he wanted over at uh, Ripple High School. He's a gym. He, he's a gym teacher. I know that's not what they call themselves, but he's going to be a football yeah. coach, and he gets to stay at the school he was at Riffle High School. He had to take it. Listen, yeah. he isn't yeah. going. No yeah. disrespect. Kyle Borsa's career is a career that didn't didn't quite take off the way that it should have. He was a workout fiend. He was an ultra competitive oh, athlete. Know. Had a little bit of injury problems, and then he had the the Ramzo line wasn't the greatest. Then he got jerked yeah. around by the Blue Bombers, and he could have played. This this year, but you know what? He's not going to go yeah. to the CFL anymore. He saw the writing on the wall. He's got to take that job for yeah. sure. For sure. No, I, I know, unfortunately, the United States is a football factory, especially running backs. Yeah, it is. And running back is not a uh, kind position. In fact, if my kid was playing football coming up again, I'd, I'd highly discourage playing running back. Yeah, yeah. How's he doing? He's doing great. My my kid's doing great. He's on the defensive side of the ball, still trying to figure that out. Sometimes it can be a little boring because you got to wait for right. the ball to come your way, but he's having fun. Hey, thanks for the call, Wayne. I appreciate it, okay? Okay, take her easy, man. Take care, man. Thanks. Okay. Appreciate it. We have another one. Wow, wow. The phone lines are cooking. Hi, who's this? Hey, this is Emery. Hi, Emery. What's up? Oh, just enjoying the show, bud. Awesome. I, I like your show. I you do awesome. I play play with the Ryder games. I tune into every game. Awesome, Emery. I appreciate I'm that. Nip, I call my friend up on and listen online. Awesome. I, I appreciate Remember that. Some of the old riders like Rich, uh, what was it, Richie Slack and Rich Hall, Richie Hall. Those are good players too for the Riders. Yeah, they they were. Everybody's time comes. I remember when Bobby Jurison got cut. That one sucked. I remember one of the sad moments for me was I was at Roger Aldag's retirement night where like they were like honoring him and it, I think they yeah. were playing Edmonton. I don't know the exact date, but there was like seventeen thousand fans there. I'm like, this is Roger freaking Aldag. This stadium should be sold out. But the Riders weren't very good then. Hey, uh, yeah. how, Emery, how long have you been a Rider fan for? Oh, I can't remember. It's been a while. Yeah, who's your favorite? I've been to one. I've been to one Riders, but that was at the old stadium when they played Hamilton. Yeah. You haven't been to the new stadium yet, Emery? No, no, I haven't. Oh, wow. You're going to have to. My parents have. They went to the Grey Cup last year. Oh, good. But they cheered for Toronto? 
No. They were cheering for Winnipeg? Oh my! They just went. They just went for the heck of it. Oh, that's good. Well, that's good. As long as they went for the heck of it, I appreciate that. Hey, uh, Emery, thanks for the call, man. I appreciate it. Welcome back. Take care. Oh, look at that. We're out on a shoot with three calls here. Yeah, I like going old See, it's school. It's a great start to the show, baby. I got it. You missed this. Hold on. You missed this. Yeah. Give me a second. All right. What's he doing? Here? I got this old school note. This is a lady. I'll I'll retake this. It's worth it. Uh, so this lady, um, her name is. Uh, Hannah Larson. She put it in an envelope that shows that it was mailed from Strasburg. All right. Look how well written it is. Oh, that's some nice. Michael Ball, just listen to your uh, first hour of today's. It's dated July 31st, by the way, just okay. to put it in context. Mm-hmm. Uh, just listen to the first hour of today's sports cage, and I'm smiling. So refreshing to hear you say positive and true things about the Riders following touchdown Atlantic and the loss. Thank you for this. All the negativity is easy to find. Positivity is a. Breath of fresh air. So that's from okay. and, and handwritten. I like that. All right. I Hannah, like you said? Uh, Hannah is her name. Hannah. Yeah. Hannah. Yeah, thanks, Hannah. Hannah. Yeah, it's awesome. See? All right. So we're going to take we're a break. Doing and when right we now. come back, we're going to talk to Peter Godber. I had a chance to sit down with him in the locker room, talk a little short yardage and what's going on, and how he kept jerking my man around playing Wyland in interviews. Let me just tell you something, Zinger. I just want to point. Remember how I had Blaine go do the interviews? Yeah, the and old, the old line lines, was yeah, pranking him. And, yeah. and not just Blaine, the other guys. Wow. I'm going to tell you what happened on the other side to me. No. You know, you're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Oh, baby. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the show. Keep the calls coming. They've been firing on all cylinders. 936-6262 or long distance like Emory did from Nip 1 one 620 can text us too at 936-6262 powered by the Capital Auto Group. All our guests and phone calls come to you via the Western Pizza hotline. Get it hot, get it fast. Western Pizza. Leafs announced the signing of goalie Martin Jones. One year, $875,000 contract. We're going to be joined at 435 by the voice of the Blue Jays, Ben Wagner, and uh, they're taking on the Cleveland Guardians 5-10 our time, and we'll have a Bo Bichette update for you with Ben Wagner live um, before the game. Hey, this text says when Chris Jones got rid of double D. Ooh, that was tough, yeah. Well, he was just an average quarterback, wasn't he? Yeah. What do you call him there? Average or yeah, yeah, average. moderate success or something? Yeah, something like that. Moderate yeah. success, yeah. 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 Chris Jones starting Trey Ford tomorrow, finally, against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Cody Fajardo, by the way, practiced in the limited fashion today. Uh, we are endeavoring to get Cody an interview or an interview from Cody. He's apparently at the doctor's right now, and we will find out if he's going to do the interview tomorrow morning with yours truly. We're going to have to pre-tape it, so mm-hmm. we will do the interview with Cody Fajardo if he calls, which would be something because Cody and I haven't talked for a while, yeah. <laughs> both uh, in person or on social media, so kudos to him if he does call. Uh, that'll be fun to listen Would to. Would be nice. I mean, this is a big game. It's a do huge it, do game. It for the fans. Huge do it for the fans. Yeah, huge game. Huge. Game. We're two Catholics. We can forgive each yeah, other. Come on. Forgive each other. Me love and Cody. You. We love you, Cody. I, don't, I never disliked the guy at all. I love Cody I Fajardo. simply said Cody Fajardo 
I can tell you exactly what I said back in the day. Yeah, yeah, Here's sure. exactly what I said. And you, Zinger, you operate all our games, okay? So you heard every broadcast last year. Mm-hmm. Of all the guys on our broadcast network, Luke Molitor, Michael Ball, Don Hewitt, Daniela Ponticelli. I'll take Danielle out of it. Of all the alpha males on the broadcast, who is the guy that was the most in Cody's corner. Yeah, it was you. Yeah, until after the season, when it all went down, I simply said, Cody Fajardo is a great father. He's a great person. By all accounts, a great teammate. But Cody Fajardo is not cut out to be the quarterback of the Rough Riders mentally. I said he's not mentally tough enough. That that wasn't a shot at him. It was like, he's just not... Because you got to be kind of a jerk like Ken Austin or not care like Darian Durant. Those, that's what I meant. I didn't mean or he's not. Or don't good, know what's going on like Reggie Slack. Or don't know what's going on or don't pay attention to the media or Marvin don't do Graves. any of that stuff. Yeah. And Cody's not wired that way. Okay, that's all I meant. And then he blocked me. And yeah, so well, hopefully maybe, we can maybe get we this, can mend uh, some fences. Yeah, yeah, hopefully tomorrow we can get yeah. this marriage back together. Uh, Ryan Smith leaving the Riders was a sad day for me. Corey from Radville. Okay, that's good, but Ryan Smith really didn't have... Ryan Smith. Ryan, he's no. that guy that caught that no, one yeah, wacky yeah, pass. That, I know Ryan Smith. He was but... a UND receiver, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Or was yeah. it NDSU? I thought it, I thought I think it was, was UND. I thought it was UND. Yeah, like, uh, like Weston Dressler. Because they always called him like Weston Dressler's baby brother. That's right. Okay, so uh, Zinger, the offensive lineman, when they get interviewed... They're they're messing around with the media like they jerk them around. They either talk in third person or or goof around, right? Because we've noticed them picking on our Blaine Wyland. And I yeah. thought it was just Blaine Wyland, but no, it's other media members. So I walked right, eyes walked right up to Peter Godbury. I said, "He goes, are you here to talk to Furlan?" I said, "No, I want to talk to you." And he said, I'm honored. And he did say that. I'm not even making that up. So I sat, what are you laughing at? He, that's what he said. <laughs> I'm just laughing at what's to come he's, here. Tell he, the story. He said he's honored. So I sit down next to him, and he goes, just wait a minute. And he turns to his right, and he says to Eric Lofton, hey, Eric, can I can I just give him a straight-up interview, or do I have to do the word thing? So he, he got the go-ahead And Eric daddy. said, no, 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 no. For that guy, he said, no, for that guy, you give him the straight-up interview. So, see that? See that, buddy? Yeah. For that guy right there. That's Man, what I'm talking got, about. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. I got a little, hey, show me some respect. But, but now how does our our buddy Blaine Wyland supposed to feel? He, he probably feels pretty I don't know. At this point, I don't care. It's all about me. So <laughs> so, so anyway, Here here's go. my interview with Peter Godburn. We actually talk about that. Check it out. Here with Ryder Center, Peter Godber. Listen, I know there's been a running gag the whole time when you interview a lineman. You gotta, you gotta kind of do something behind the scenes. What's that all about? Because you just asked Lofton permission if you could just have a straight up interview. Um, so it started a few years ago here, but um, I'm not sure if I should be able to. Oh, I'm not, not going to say. I'm not sh- okay. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'll send it for the boys. Yeah, it started a few years ago. We have a, we have a fine list here. Okay. And one of the fines is not saying a word on the interview, so it's become like a running joke this year. Oh, okay. That you got to say a word and you got to slip it in though, because you guys can't catch on to us. Okay. So. Okay. okay. Well, I'll listen for it down the line. <laughs> uh, so uh, talk about uh, the game last week. It was it was a lot closer than maybe it needed to be, but uh, a win's a win, right? We don't critique wins. 
Uh, I mean, yeah, we definitely critique wins here, and uh, just like every loss or every yeah, win, you yeah. critique it, you try and get better, and you move yeah. on. But you know, we know we weren't good enough on offense, and uh, that's the bottom line. We got to get better at a lot of areas, uh, including short yardage, and, and we know that we've addressed that, and we're going to fix it and move on. But uh, you know, our defense is playing at an exceptionally high level right now, and we have to do our do our job on offense and, and convert when we need to convert and help them out. I'm a 168 pound radio announcer, so I wouldn't pretend to be an offensive lineman. Tell us what what's the key to short yardage? Because people say, "Well, it's third and one. They give a, they give a yard. It should be easy to get a yard." We know it's not. What's the key to to short yardage? You know, there, there's two things: pad level and keep on moving your feet. And uh, yeah, so that's that's the two things: pad level, and move your feet. Um, you know, we we got to get those plays on third and one. You know that we expect to get it, and and that's what we need to do. And this year, we haven't been great on converting them. However, we'll, we're going to keep on working on it and, and keep on practicing that, and, and uh, we're going to start converting on them. I know you guys are a proudful bunch, the offensive linemen, the only position in sports where you give up your body for somebody else to have glory. When it's third and one and you guys can, can finish that game off and don't get that first down, or it happens in Calgary where you try to seal a game, what's it feeling like coming off the field like that? It's not, it's not great. You know, we're, like you said, we're a very prideful group, and uh, you know that, that stuff keeps it up at, at night. Yeah. Uh, you know, we all are deeply upset when that happens and we, we take that on our back and we understand that that's our fault and we got to just get better and uh you know at the time that you know calgary and then here you know we're very frustrated with ourselves uh we don't point fingers we all know you know we have to better do a better job but no we're frustrated yeah okay so uh short week peter you don't have a lot of practice time is that a big deal uh, especially when you're trying to work out some of those kinks you know at the end of the day this is professional football and uh whatever schedule they give us we, we just control what we control so at the end of the day no it's not um you know every team has to do with short weeks every team has to do with long weeks so just another week for us just another opponent uh and they're they're a great opponent too so it'll be a good game this weekend yeah and your time in the league what's montreal like for road city you like going in there uh, it's just like every other city for us. We just, we just, I just go. I eat good food, and uh, we play football, and then get on the road and go home. It's all, it's all business. It's all football. So what is it? Poutine when you go to Montreal, or what? So, uh, you know, I can't eat poutine before the game or the day before the game. So what we'll do, what we've done in BC uh, last year, is we'd order two or three pounds of Montreal smoked meat, oh, okay. and then take it on the airplane after the game. Yeah. So it's waiting for us in the locker room. It's in the fridge though. It's not as good when it's not hot, but it's what we order it before the game and after. After on the plane, we're making sandwiches. We have two loaves of bread. We have pickles. We have jars of, of mustard. And we're just—I hope—I hope we can do that here because uh, they have the best smoked meat in Montreal. So the obvious question for me is, how does the 168-pound play-by-play guy get invited back to have some smoked meat after the game? We gotta win. Okay. No win, no smoke meat. Um, okay. And then two, you gotta be nice to Logan Furlan. He kind of, he kind of is like the alpha oh, around he's here. The so guy. yeah, he's the Godfather. Yeah. He, you know, he Dan Clark passed him the torch. So now yeah. Logan Furlan is the owner of the fine book. So he's kind of like the god of our O line. So you're gonna have to be nice to him. You've been uh, battling through a hand injury and being, uh, you know, tough doing that. How you feeling going into this game yourself personally? Oh, I'm I'm 100% healthy at this point. 100% healed. I feel great and um, I'm. You know, just happy to be back out there in the swing of things. It was tough not playing those few weeks. Uh, what do you see with the Montreal front going into this game? Oh, man, they're really, really good front. Uh, you know, obviously, you know what Sean Lemon is. He's a defensive player of the year. And then Amando Suo is, is one of the greatest tackles in league history. And then they have another guy, Mustafa Johnson, who's really, really good as well. Uh, Davis, you know, they, they're they're deep and they're good. They're a physical bunch, and uh, it's going to be a great battle for us and a great opportunity for us. Best of luck, man.
Yeah, thanks. All right, that is Peter Godber. Love talking with him. So now you get the lowdown. They have like fines if they get too much publicity and they don't throw the word in there. So there not only that, the smoked meat. Huh? Oh, I'm gonna get back there, the back of that plane, because you're damn right. We're beating Montreal. We're gonna kick them around Molson Stadium, and I'm gonna tell that to Joey Alfieri of the Owls, their media team. Coming up next, it's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 3.32 with the sports ticker. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders have cleared some space in a crowded receiver room as the team released Darrell Walker today. Walker played in the Rough Riders season opening win versus Edmonton. And Walker has been sidelined with an injury since week two, and he was placed on the six-game injured list. Tevin Jones, of course, has uh, filled in nicely since then. The Riders practice today, and they will be hopping on the charter tomorrow as the team gets set for Friday Night Football in Montreal. Kickoff is at 5.30 on Friday with the pregame show starting at 2.30 on 6.20 CKRM. And elsewhere across the Canadian Football League, the Edmonton Elks have welcomed two veterans back into the lineup ahead of their game against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on Thursday. Former Riders defensive back Ed Ganey and former Riders receiver Manny Arsenal will be suited up in the green and gold as the Elks try to snap their record-breaking losing skid on home turf. The Bombers and Elks kick off Week 10 tomorrow. for another Pick 6 with Ballsy and Friends as they give their take on six sports topics of the day. Number one, let's start off with some great news for the CFL. The league capitalized on a lot of Canadians enjoying an extra night during the August long weekend. Rough Riders' last-minute 26-24 win over Ottawa gave the CFL its highest English television audience for any Sunday night game on the schedule so far, so says Three Down Nation. Sunday night primetime Three Down Football has a big enough sample size now to determine that it's working very well for the league. Thank God they caught on to this and was a good move. Brett Lothar's field goal to win the game for the Rough Riders gave the league its largest 25-54 to 54 key age demographic audience. As 201 thousand seven hundred people in that age demographic tuned in so here's a review of the week one ratings the bc winnipeg game 546,700 watch that one the argos at calgary on a friday night 448,000 on saturday montreal at hamilton 478,200 watched on tsn another 142,100 watched on RDS. So that means just over 620,000 people watched that game. And then, of course, the Ottawa Red Blacks Saskatchewan Rough Rider game, 629,700 people watched the ball game. But no, 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 the Riders aren't Canada's team. Okay. Number two in the pick six, Tommy Condell was a scapegoat in Hamilton for a team that's been sliding for a couple of years now. Part of Condell's problem has always been treating the run like an inconvenience. The offense under new OC Scott Milanovic will get a bump in energy, no doubt about that. But let's be honest, they don't have a quarterback that will be able to execute his kind of offense, at least the way he wants this season. I see a whole reset next year with the former Grey Cup winning coach Milanovic taking over as head coach for Orlando Steinauer. 
Number three in the pick six. I can't wait for this game on Friday in Montreal. Jason Moss versus Craig Dickinson. Now, they're never going to admit it, but I don't think those two are on the same page when everyone thought it was Moss and Fajardo who were off the rails. Mason Fine, who's been solid for the Riders so far at quarterback, gets to face his old buddy Cody Fajardo for the only time this regular season. And you know the Owls want to win this one for Cody after he feels he was done dirty by the Riders. And I get a sense the Riders' defense is licking its chops for a chance to hit Fajardo. After, of course, he was untouchable the last few seasons in practice. I got the Riders by four. How about you? Number four in the pick six. Baltimore Orioles TV broadcaster Kevin Brown is set to return to the booth for the start of the team's next road trip coming up on Friday. Brown, who occasionally announces for ESPN as well, has been serving a suspension since late July, allegedly for his comments before the team's series finale against the Tampa Bay Rays on July 23rd. Now, if the reasoning for this stupid punishment is true, and the team is denying the accusations, it's one of the most unreasonable suspensions for a commentator in recent memory. During the commentary in question, Brown simply pointed out that the Orioles at the time were 0-15-1 in the previous 16 road series at Tropicana Field in Tampa, which resulted in a 3-18 record from 2020 to 2022. Brown was stating a fact, showed no disrespect, and there was even a graphic on the broadcast that was used to convey the information. Since then, scores of fellow media members, because we all stick together, have both come to the defense of Brown and bashed ownership, specifically Orioles CEO John Angelos. Fans have taken to social media and other communication methods in support of the announcer as well. Their last home game at Camden Yards, the chant, Free Kevin Brown was echoing through the building. The Orioles are a cheap, poorly run outfit that happens to be having two very good seasons back-to-back. But even a broken clock is right twice a day. Losing teams worry about the wrong things. The announcer has nothing to do with anything. Put on a consistent winning product and all the problems go away. Number five in the pick six. No, 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 no. Please, 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 just stop. With training camps in full swing in the NFL, the talk has started again about which teams will be under the radar and turn some heads this year. And people are once again saying it's going to be the L.A. Chargers, my team. Now, despite a roster filled with stars such as quarterback Justin Herbert, wide receiver Keenan Allen, and Mike Williams, outside linebacker Joey Bosa, and safety Derwin James, Los Angeles hasn't captured a playoff victory since 2019. Last season, in the wild card round, they were at Jacksonville, where they blew a 27-point lead and lost 31-30. Injuries always wreck it for this team. L.A.'s schedule this year is tied for the 12th most difficult in the NFL, They're in the same division, you remember, as the Kansas City Chiefs, the reigning Super Bowl champs. Yet the odds makers remain bullish on the Chargers. They have the 10th best Super Bowl odds and an over-under win total of 9.5 games via odds checker. So you shouldn't be surprised if the Chargers make a deep run this season and possibly start to disrupt the AFC hierarchy. But it's my team, so don't bet on it. You see, I can't have anything nice as a sports fan. 
And finally on the pick six, the Regina Red Sox season came to an end, losing two straight to Medicine Hat in their best of three. It wasn't the greatest season for the team on the field, but to be fair, they had 11 guys leave for college commitments before the season ended. They probably need to do a better job of bringing guys in who can stay longer. Tip of the cap to the great fans of this team as they played to record attendance at Curry Field, proving that there is support for a new, long-overdue ballpark for the Regina Red Sox. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. This guy's been waiting patiently on the phone line while I gave you your pick six there. It's Joey Alfieri from the Montreal Alouettes organization. Thanks for joining me, bud. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Getting set for a great game Friday. I only wish these teams... um, you know, you're on a short week. We're on a shorter week. We got to travel there. I know excuses are for losers. I just wish it was an actual mono on mono seven days off each and let's go because there's a couple nice storylines for this game. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, the schedule is what it is. I mean, it happened to uh, the Alouettes too a few weeks ago when uh, it was actually even worse. Montreal was on five days. They traveled back from Vancouver and uh, Toronto was coming off a bye, and uh, the Owls were able to keep it close. Ultimately, they came up short. Um, so those are things that, you know, every team has to go through. Mm-hmm. But at least both teams played last week. It's not like one team has, a, you know, two games in five days and the other one's coming off a bye. So it should be pretty even, I feel. That's why I'm not buying. I'm glad you brought that up. That's why when Winnipeg smokes BC, yes, it was a great win for Winnipeg, and they're still a good team. But, uh, I mean... You know, BC's playing two road games in five days and, and Winnipeg had 13 days off. So come on. Yeah. Well, Montreal has the same thing coming later on this month again. I mean, they're in Ottawa on Saturday night and then they're in uh, Winnipeg on uh, Thursday night. So it's another, you know, the Bombers. Listen, you got to be good to be lucky, lucky to be good with the schedule. So uh, so the Bombers, uh, the Bombers benefit a little bit there. But I, I, I think I'm with you there. I, I don't know that, you know, I, it's an excuse for a... Uh, for a stomping, and I don't think anybody in BC has alluded to that anyway. But yeah, it's just hopefully that tech team gets their uh, yeah. policy because it'll even out the, the schedule quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, we can talk about it. It is what it is, but let's be honest here. You know it from being around all sports, but football for a while, Joey. Football's been meant to play once a week and an actual week, not like where a team gets one practice. I mean, these guys aren't, these guys will be playing Friday and their bodies won't be right, but just the way that it is. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's you're right. I mean, I think that's the way it's supposed to be. And I think uh, the commissioners come out and mention that they want to uh, have that balanced 10th team for that reason. It would help with the schedule. I, I still think that the league does a pretty good job given the challenges that it has mm-hmm. uh, with uh, travel and the number of teams that they have. Is it perfect? No. Uh, but I think they do a good job building the schedule as you can possibly do. Uh, but no, I'm with you. There, I mean, there's a reason why a few years ago the, the NFLPA uh, kind of push back on the the Thursday night football every week, uh, just because it's you know it's not easy to go Sunday to Thursday even when both teams do it. Uh, but that's why you know hats off to to the CFL players because um, they do it more than just once a season, and, and oftentimes, like we said, it is five days. So you know the players and, and the coaches, everybody deserves a lot of credit for getting themselves ready to to play, coach, and perform uh, week in, week out. It's not easy to do in our league. What's the vibe like in Montreal? New ownership, teams off to a pretty good start. I don't think it's getting the respect maybe that it does deserve. Uh, just your thoughts on how uh, things are in Montreal for the Alouettes. Yeah, it's gone well. It's gone really, really well. It uh, feels like uh, 
the team's made more of a dent in the market already, and I think that helps with you know solid ownership and stable ownership that's local, um, which is something the the team hasn't had a local owner in a really long time. So, uh, you know, Mr. Pelletel coming in and bringing that stability uh, is uh, has really helped, and I think that's helped people. Uh, the people of Montreal gravitate towards the team. And, and on the field, I think everyone was, you know, everyone in the building was kind of aware where the quote-unquote experts had uh, picked the Alouettes to finish. Obviously, nobody in-house agreed with most of those predictions. And so far, um, I think the team, you know, from a national perspective, perspective has exceeded expectations. But, you know, I think there's still more. I think Cody Fajardo mentioned last week, uh, that, uh, you know, it's a 4-3 and three team that hasn't even played their best football yet. And so it seems like they're rounding into form, uh, back-to-back wins going into this game against Saskatchewan. So things are, are starting to uh, are starting to be on the up-and-up here uh, for this Alouette side that um, there's there's a lot of talent here and there's a lot of new talent uh, that's, that's brand new to the league. So uh, scouting department deserves credit, coaching staff deserves credit, players deserve credit because so far, uh, they've exceeded those quote-unquote expectations that I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, and that new talent uh, starts with that receiver, Mack. Boy, he's a nice find. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, Austin Mack was, was it was very, very evident from, you know, near the beginning of training camp. I want to say, you know, the first day of training camp was a Sunday. Uh, on the Monday, he ended up working with the starters. And usually, you know, when you're a newcomer, you'll always have those lulls. Like, Austin Mack didn't have any low days, it seems. Like, I saw every single training camp practice, two-a-days, uh, one individual practices. I saw them all. And this guy just brings it every single day, uh, day in and day out. So, you know, am I surprised that he's already at 601 yards? You know, if you would have asked me at the beginning of May before I saw him work, I would say, yeah, that's surprising. But... Um, ever since I saw him step onto the field uh, in uh, Trois-Rivières for, for training camp, I mean, he's just been the epitome of consistency. Uh, he's looked really, really good. Uh, and, I mean, it's him, and he's obviously been the number one guy. Uh, but you look at guys like Tyler Sneed, Courtney Davis, I mean, all of a sudden everyone was concerned about the receivers in Montreal, and it's become a strength. I mean, they have so much depth. Uh, they lose Kayon Julian Grant, who uh, was, you know, not before his injury, was the number three receiver in the league uh, in terms of yards, and he was leading the league in yak yards. And then, you know, he goes down, misses the last game, and all of a sudden you can plug in Tyson Philpott, who's now healthy. I mean, it's not every team uh, that has that kind of Canadian depth or just that depth in general at wide receiver. It's really, it's, it's emerged as a strength. They, they've really done a great job of building that depth and finding those guys who can play in this league and adapt to this league quickly. Joey Alfieri from the Montreal Alouettes joining us here. So, uh, Cody Fajardo has, uh, we well, missed one practice and practice apparently sparingly today. Uh, I can't imagine he'll miss the game. What, do you, what, what can you tell us about Cody's status? Yeah, uh, he was out there on the field earlier today. Uh, looked good. We had some good zip on the ball. Um, I know that they, they kind of divided the reps just in case he couldn't go, but uh, go back to what Jason Moss said yesterday. I uh, told the media that uh, if he was a betting man, uh, Cody Fajardo would play. Um, and so, you know, to me, I, I don't know. I don't know what the coach, where the coaching staff is leading at this point, but based on everything that they're saying, it certainly looks like he's going to play. And, you know, I have a hard time imagining that he's not going to suit up uh, for the only meeting between these two teams uh, in the regular season this year. Maybe they'll meet up in the playoffs again. Maybe they'll meet up in the Grey Cup. But regular season-wise, uh, this is it. Montreal's too bad not coming to Regina uh, in 2023, but you know that he'd be fire up, fired up for this game. So uh, look good. Had some good zip on the ball today. Look comfortable. 
at practice. Uh, nothing's been confirmed as of yet, but all indications are that he's going to be able to suit up. Yeah, and so uh, you can bet that he's ready to go, and Jason Moss, the fiery competitor, is ready to go. I think both those guys look at the fact that there may be a bit of scapegoats for what happened on offense last year for the Riders, so you know they want to send a message. No, I'm, I'm sure they do, and, and you know, as you'd expect, uh, Jason was asked about that this week, and he downplayed everything. Was super appreciative of uh, of his time uh, in Regina, and basically, you know, didn't say, didn't give the old cliche of, hey, you know, every we want to win every game, and every game's important. But you know, you you get the sense that it, it is going to be uh, the first and only time that they meet. And so, you know, it, if it was me, I, I surely wouldn't want to prove everybody wrong there. I don't know how they feel. Uh, but it should be entertaining. It's too bad uh, that Trevor Harris isn't in there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, excited to uh, you know excited to see Jake Winicky again and uh, Andre Bolzerk is a coach out there now. He spent a lot of time uh, as a player and as a coach in Montreal. So there's a lot of familiar faces. Uh, Brian Harrelimana as well is is now in Saskatchewan. So a lot of familiar faces on both sides. So it should be fun. Joey, hopefully I run into you on Friday. Have yourself a good rest of the day. Absolutely. Look forward to seeing you. Appreciate it. That's Joey Alfieri with the Montreal Alouettes. When we come back, we continue the football talk. We switch gears to the amateur ranks. Scott McCauley joins us. Thunder getting ready to open their season this weekend in Calgary. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. All right, let's keep the show rolling. A few minutes here now with the coach of the Regina Thunder, Scott McCauley. He's racking my brain here, and it takes a lot to do that, Scott. Uh, you guys haven't lost in the last two regular seasons. Am I correct when I say that? That's what I've been told. But, uh, <laughs> we've, already, we've already moved on to this season, man. We're going through on Calgary this week. But, oh, uh, come on. I hate us. Uh, be quiet. Be quiet. Yeah, I, I, hate when, I hate when coaches do that. We've moved on to next season. It's like you're not. Well, it's, it's like some big, uh, some big event. If you actually look back and are pretty proud of yourselves, you should be proud of this team. You haven't lost in the regular season in the last two regular seasons. Yeah. When Karshuchek was the starting quarterback of the Virginia Thunder, he uh, he went 16-0 during the regular season. But this this team is a completely different team than, than 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 last year, and and that's kind of the mindset that we got. But as an organization, Rad team and all the alumni, they should definitely be proud of that uh, that record and. And uh, it's something that uh, I'd be proud of as well. Defending PFC champs, a team that was just a whisker away from winning a championship. How long was the off season for you losing that Canadian Bowl? You know, it, it, talking to the players, it was definitely like a long off season. They're raring to go. I think there's a, a sour taste in a lot of guys' mouths, and uh, they want to have that opportunity to get back out there and, and make things happen again. I think. You know, there is some unfinished business, and I think that also sort of helps us in our ability to uh, retain guys for one more season. Yeah, so, Scott, who won the quarterback battle? Who's your quarterback to start week one in Calgary? So we are we're going to be going with uh, Carter Moberg. He's a kid, out of, a kid out of Swift Current. He's been with us, I think he's in year three. Um, <clears throat> he's actually it's a great story. Like He came in, and he was like number four in the depth chart, just put his time and effort in. Always had a really strong arm. Uh, worked hard on his football IQ. Uh, last year, you know, he had an opportunity to back up Carter for a little while, and then he took a back seat and went to number three. And then, you know, 
some guys might quit. No, he didn't. He just decided that it was an opportunity for him to get better, and, and he took full advantage of it this offseason, that level 10 working out uh, working out there, but also creating rapport with the receivers and, and, and being with the offensive linemen, just really buying into the team. And, you know, it was a very tight race between him and Nick Hasselfield, but uh, Moberg is going to be the guy that we're going to be giving the extra reps to, and, and we're going we're gonna to see what happens. Now you lose a couple of big-time receivers, but do you think you, you, you make up for it there in that area? Yeah, like you know, like when I look at our at this team that we have this year, like we are, we're very strong. Like we we think we're gonna have a, a solid season. You know, if we don't, then it's on and it's on us as coaches. But you know, it's tough to replace a guy like Silco and Isaac Ford that were CGFL Canadians. But we have some other guys that really stepped up and they they worked extremely hard during the off season. I, you know, I think of um, Zach Wojlaj, number nineteen. Uh, he played. He started last year, but because of the other guys, he kind of took a little bit of a back seat when it came to the catches and things like that. So you're going to see him get the ball a bit more. Um, but, you know, there's other guys like Isaiah Woodley, who's on the, the rider PR, like he's back for another season with us. Um, you know, and then a guy like Ben Wallace, he's a huge dude. Like he kind of reminds me of Sokol. He's like six foot four, and, and he can run and catch and stuff like that. So I think, I think we're going to be good at receiver, but – you know, the one area that's going to be good for us, which will help the passing game, is that our offensive line, you know, four out of five starters are back. Um, and uh, we got some guys that are actually pushed in this pretty competitive camp. But I think we're going to be able to run the ball, you know, with an offensive line that's back. And then also with Ryland Leikert and, and um, Justin Rieger and Sadiq Sadiq in the backfield as well. Like, I think we're going to have a lot of different weapons that we can play around with. So, um, and that will help with the passing game. And what's the defense look like, Coach? Defense? Uh, Paul Dawson does such a great job, man. He's, he's an unbelievable teacher. He's very detail-oriented, uh, methodical in his approach and stuff. And I, like, I feel good about it. You know, our, our biggest concern was our defensive line, and, and this actually might be even a better defensive line this year in regards to, like, how strong they are. Um, we really pushed these guys in the offseason to, to, to hit the weights. You know, like, we had a young – we basically – I'd say five out of our six travelers from last year moved on with a big graduation and moved on to a different league. And so we knew that this was going to be an issue, but these guys that, um, you know, were going into their second and third year, they really spent the entire off season in the weight room. And I don't think we've ever been as strong as we are as of right now. Um, not just about getting that game experience, but we have some guys like Payne O'Connor's back um, that will add uh, a whole new dimension there. A guy like Caden Lowe that deserves to be playing now. He's put his time and effort in. And then um, we also got like Max Parkinson, you know, like a, a guy from Great Britain that was in the CFL Combine. Uh, he's big, he's strong, he's athletic. I think he's going to be a handful for, for a lineman to handle. And lastly, Coach Scott McCauley got Calgary this weekend in Calgary. What kind of challenges do they present? The challenges that Calgary presents to us right now is that, one, it's the first game of the, of the year, and they have a completely new coaching staff, and they actually have had some changes in training camp. I don't know what the story is, but they have a new head coach than what they thought they are going into the season with. And uh, he's an offensive-minded person, and I know that they had an offensive line coach that you know we thought was going to be the OC, and now him being gone is just the unknown. We don't know what we're getting our, ourselves into. And then also you got Tom Higgins. Obviously he's had a, a strong pro professional career and, and he's with Calgary as well running the defense and so who knows what he's going to run he's ran a three-man front when he's with Calgary he ran a four-man front when he's with U of A like it's just the unknown but 
I think the beautiful thing with that is that, it, you know, we can just concentrate on our game and what we do uh, and try to have another week of just, like, perfecting our craft and our skill sets. So that when we do go there, then we're hopefully able to respond quickly to, to what they're throwing at us. Scott, best of luck. Uh, undefeated last regular season and the regular season before, uh, and I smell a big victory in week one. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. You betcha, buddy. Thanks. Take care. Yeah, I, I, I smell a route. <laughs> well, are you kidding me? Like They change head coach and OC and training camp? And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say Can I say it? Because everybody's thinking say it. Say please. Come on. Tom Higgins was a head coach in the CFL. I was hoping he would. He try. went to the referee side of the game. He went to uh, U Sports, and now he's in junior football. Can I? So not, something's not, not adding not, up. Nothing against junior football. I played junior football. Yeah. I love junior but still, football. Something's not adding what, up. What? Okay. Huh? <laughs> I just uh, huh? anyway. I don't know. I'll try to figure it out. What? <laughs> this is Sports Cage on six twenty CKRM. Six twenty CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host Michael Ball. And away we go. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage. On 620 CKRM, our text line 936-6262. Zinger, what's that poll question again? If you can look it up there for me. Yeah, I got the poll question. It's uh, at Sports Cage. And today's question is uh, 35 years ago today, Wayne Gretzky, he was traded to the LA Kings, right? So the question is, which of these had a bigger impact on you? Was it Gretzky going to the Kings? Was it Joe Montana going to the Kansas City Chiefs? Was it Kerry Joseph going to the Argos right after he won a great cup in MOP? Yep. Or was it Dave Ridgeway being traded at Sports Cage? Cast your vote. If I was to rank, I'd go Gretzky because I'm an Oilers fan. Then I'd go Kerry Joseph. Then I'd go Dave Ridgeway because I'm a Riders fan. And then I'd go Joe Montana to the. I can, I can get Montana look weird in a Chiefs jersey. Let's for me, be honest. For me, it's KJ number one. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Anyway, let's head out in the Western Pizza Hotline. Farhan Lalji joins us. So, Farhan, uh, was there a? It's Gretzky trade day. Was there? A, was there a trade besides that one, or a sporting transaction that got you all, you know, shook you up as a fan or a media guy? Yeah, you know, as a fan when I was younger, I was totally shook up when the Lions traded for Matt Dunigan. Oh, okay, so, yeah. You know, back, so back in those days, right? Like the Vancouver Sun was the afternoon evening paper and the province was the morning paper and i remember getting on the sky train that day that the trade happened and they had stopped the presses and you know held it and had a later edition to put matt dunnigan being traded to bc on the cover of the vancouver sun like that was a you know a, a earth-shattering trade here when when it happened for sure yeah that's crazy man hey uh, you were down south with nathan rourke how did he look at jacksonville camp uh, looked great, except didn't get a lot of reps, right? I mean, that was kind of the biggest concern of, of all of it, just watching watching that, that he just, um, you know, I think when he signed there, he understood that he, he wasn't going to get the number two job handed to him. He wasn't surprised when C.J. Beathard got re-signed. Uh, and when that happened, he knew he, he was kind of up against it, but he probably thought the reps should be like a, a 60-40 split, but it was like 80-20, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the day before I got there, he had maybe 10-12 reps and was 6-for-6 six six passing, and the, uh, in the 11-on-11 period, and then the day I was there, 
He had 10 reps, and I think he was three for three passing and kept the ball in a couple of design runs. And it was just, um, you know, you just kind of left you wanting, right, just because he's sitting there behind the other quarterbacks and uh, taking drops and mental reps and everything like that. And I, I had a chance to speak to the, their their uh, offensive coordinator and, uh, and others, and he's really made a good impression on them between the spring OTAs and minicamps and now and just how much he knows the offense and they think he's physically talented enough to play at that level. But, you know, everyone kind of concedes reps are hard to come by. All that said, he's going to get a ton of reps in these preseason games, starting with uh, this weekend's game in Dallas. So uh, he'll he'll get a chance to audition both for the Jags and every other team. And, and they, they said to me that, look, all of a sudden, if he lights it up in the preseason, we may adjust the rep count in practice. But it, it's strange that he's got to do it in a game first before he does it in practice, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's a very good point. Farhan Lalshi joining us here uh, from TSN. All right, so... Uh, uh, Hamilton uh, yeah, throws uh, Tommy Condell off the boat to try to keep it from sinking. Uh, Scott Milanovic now the offensive coordinator. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I, I think something kind of had to be done because it wasn't working. And even when Bo Levi Mitchell was healthy, right, he was throwing a lot of interceptions and wasn't necessarily doing great things within that offense. And I'm a Tommy Condell fan, right? I think he's uh, a very smart guy. I think he's one of the few coaches in the league that truly understands the, the Tressman-Milanovic type of offense, right, with all the West Coast principles that everybody wants to run, but nobody really – not no, I shouldn't say nobody, but a lot of guys don't do it right or don't do it well. Uh, I, think, I think Tommy does, but sometimes it can become so complicated and detailed, it's not easy for the next guys to kind of fit into all of that. And last year when they brought in uh, Kahari Jones, you wondered if that was a precursor to something else. Uh, but they've, there's always been some loyalty to, to Condell in that organization. And then this year, when they brought in Scott Milanovic at the start of the year, you started to wonder uh, what that might lead to. But um, it didn't seem like Scott wanted to dive back into this this quick. Uh, but um, nonetheless, here we are, right? So uh, curious to see what it, what it turns into. But not surprised. You know, you wonder, and I don't know this for a fact, but you wonder if the situation with, with Bo taking the quarterback sneak and getting injured and who the actual decision for that came from, and if that had anything to do with this, right? Who mm-hmm. ordered the code red, as it were? Mm-hmm. So you know, I'm curious if all of that uh, played into it, but um, not surprised. But look, this league lacks big-time offensive minds. Tommy Condell is one of them, and he'll be hired absolutely for next year, if not sooner. All right, so uh, Friday's game, Riders, Montreal Alouettes. You can bet uh, Cody Fajardo and Jason Moss are eager eager to uh, stick it to the riders that they both feel like they were deemed the scapegoats for a poor offense last year so that's one of the uh, nice storylines Cody against his uh, buddy uh, Mason Fine they're still friends to this day and you've got the rider defense that finally gets to hit Cody Fajardo because they couldn't in practice yeah I know you're right I mean it's uh, a juicy storyline lots of subplots in and around it for sure and you know when I talked to Cody earlier this year he felt he said to me directly he felt like the only person in Saskatchewan that had his back was Jason Moss, right? And I, I think um, Craig Dickinson and, and others in the building weren't shy of the fact that, look, they, they felt that uh, it was time to move on and that as bad as the offensive line was and as bad as the sack totals were, I think there were some that felt that there were times that Cody could have gotten rid of the ball sooner and it would have made the offensive line look better. And, um, you know, he's, he's taking sacks again. We, we see it, right? I mean, and he is the player is the common denominator, right? Uh, as opposed to the the line, and um, you've got two good defenses, right? I mean, Saskatchewan has been doing some good things defensively. I think they're they've been getting better as the season's gone on. 
And I think Montreal has been one of the better defensive teams in the league this year. So I think offense might be hard to come by in this game. But, uh, yeah, there's there's nobody that would be happier than to win this game than Cody Fajardo, no doubt. And he's also got a bit of an injury that he's dealing with, right, Like mm-hmm. with, uh, with that left shoulder. And so it's not his throwing shoulder, but it certainly can get re-injured if he's going to land or, you know, uh, can he take a hit and all those kinds of things. So that's also part of it. Is it just a fluke, or why do you think the injuries are up, especially at the quarterback position this year? Because uh, Vernon Adams is just coming back in this game, uh, uh, which will be a good one, Calgary against BC. Yeah, you know, it felt like we went through this a year ago with a number of teams dealing with quarterback issues, you know, starting with with uh, Ottawa and uh, when the, the whole Marino uh, and Masoli thing happened. And, you know, so there were guys that got banged up last year, but certainly this early in the season for this many guys to be going through it, right? Uh, and in some cases, it, it, like Ottawa, having gone, gone through four quarterbacks now as starters, it really has um, been difficult to watch, right? And certainly mm-hmm. puts the league's challenges of developing at the position right into the bright lights, right? Because we've talked about the quarterback crisis when you and I have been on the show before. And But I, I will tell you this. I like Cameron Dukes. I like I, I like Powell in, in Hamilton. You know, Mason Fine uh, has done some good things in Saskatchewan. So I'm not telling you all these guys are going to be the second coming, but I think there has been some value in terms of getting a chance to evaluate these guys and seeing what you've got, right? Like I've said before, like BC had to play Dom Davis for a quarter, more than a half in, in the last game. What was gained there by BC rolling a 34-year-old quarterback out there to show what he, what he couldn't do, right? Whereas even though Toronto lost to Calgary, right, and, and you know, Crum and Fine and these guys have been kind of up and down, there's been a lot to properly evaluate and really determine whether or not these guys can be part of the next wave because the truth is, Balzi, and you know this, a lot of times you, you think you've got it figured out at the front end, but a lot of times you need to get lucky and just hit, yep. right? Like. I remember when Bo became the starter in Calgary, when they brought him in and signed him out of Eastern Washington, they knew he was the future, and they, they immediately created a two-year pathway to make him the starter. That's very rare in this league. More often than not, someone's got to get hurt, and someone's got to sink or swim. So I, I do like what I've seen from some of these kids. It's a good way to put it. Farhan, we'll leave it there. Enjoy the weekend of football. We'll talk to you soon. All right, take care, my friend. Take care. That's Farhan Lalji joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Ask them about their Rough Rider suite deal, and you could be watching a game in a luxury suite courtesy of Western Pizza if you go in there and eat or take out food from that great pizza place, Western Pizza. When we come back, our clutch performer, and we're also going to hear from Mason Fine, Ben Wagner from the Blue Jays Radio Network. Where are they now? A little later on on this Wednesday, James Murphy, Winnipeg Blue Bomber receiver going into their ring of honor the labor day rematch game we'll talk about that and uh, more rider stuff too this is the sports cage on 620 ckrm time now for the cage clutch performer on 620 ckrm darno spanks this to left center it plugs again all the way out to the deepest part of the park we are tied at three a pair of doubles and two runs driven in already for Travis Darno, and we are only in the top of the third. And the catcher for the Atlanta Braves, Travis Darno, he finished the game with three hits, two RBI, and the Braves just keep rolling along. Eight to six win yesterday over the Pirates, and I think it's about time this team gets some more love. The Atlanta Braves, they are seventy-one and forty, first place in the majors. 
Travis Darno, former Blue Jay, by the way, is your sports cage clutch performer for Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator Gleaner, and Fan Dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the show. Thanks to Zinger for getting that clutch performance. And you got to give the Braves some love. They're playing some great baseball. What a great baseball team. And the former Blue Jay there. Toronto Blue Jays taking on the Cleveland Guardians 5-10. We're going to hear from their play-by-play voice, Ben Wagner, at 435. Tell you what, this guy is a little... And you know why, because he's just being picked on, whether he does well or not. It comes with the territory. Mason Fine, he just seems uncomfortable talking to the media. And I don't... Like, he kind of has that Zach Kalaros. Like, Cody had a good poker face for a while. Then it started to break down. Zach Kalaros just... He just... He didn't like it here, let's be honest. He didn't like dealing with the media here. You could tell he's a great guy, but he just didn't like it. Mason Fine's kind of in between. He's polite, but you could tell it's kind of bugging him a little bit. He doesn't like, like, especially one half of the room where some of the reporters sit, because it's those reporters that are really on him right now. So he's kind of a little bit grouchy at times. And I, I get it. Well, he's not grouchy, but you know what I mean? Guarded? Yeah. Kind of reserved? Like, you know what I mean? I Watching what he says. But anyway, here is our uh, press conference playback, as we like to call it. The presser playback. We got Mason Fine. Uh, I mean, Cody's awesome. He's a great person. Um, he's a great teammate. Uh, he's a great family man. Uh, I mean, he taught me a lot. Always under his wing. He was never, like, about the situation last year. He was always supportive. Uh, great teammate. You know, we were close. We did a lot of things outside of football. Uh, and we were always talking on and off the field. He was a joy to come to work to. And, uh, I mean, we've been texting throughout the season and the offseason and stuff. So we're still pretty close. I mean, we we talk about almost after every game kind of what we're talking about and stuff. And uh, we've been joking around about this week. And it's going to be a fun time. You know, excited to see him. Excited to talk to him. And, uh, but, yeah, Cody Cody's, has been and still is a good friend to me. That dynamic like with the last two games of the season where the team put in the second string in favor of you. But I think it went better than kind of what people probably would expect in that situation. You know, you know, losing your job. We're all competitive, right? We're all professionals. We're highly competitive. Um, that's why I said. I mean, in his in his situation, I'm sure he was upset, but in the same way, he was able to to be a professional and uh, you know try to make me the best quarterback I could be and try to get this uh, a win for the team. He was all about the team. How can we be successful? And uh, and stuff like that. So yeah, that's kind of how the dynamic was, and you know, you know we're, we're still cool. Yeah. Does practice feel different now that you have a win? Up, you're coming off a win and everything. No, practice doesn't feel any different. Um, I'm still highly uh, motivated. Um, came out with a competitive edge today. I just came out kind of with a chip on my shoulder. Kind of you know, just one of the offense kind of practice the same way. Uh, you know, a little angry, um, locked in, intensity, high intensity, high focus. Uh, focus on the details, the small, minute things, and uh, be moving around. Uh, polish. Yeah, it's a short week, but you know we're not even going to talk about it anymore. You know we have no excuses. Like we're ready to play and we're ready to go. And I don't want to hear anyone like complaining about a short week or anything. So I came out. You know, hopefully they saw that I was ready to go and uh, ready to play a game. Are you angry? Huh? You said practice angry. Right? Yeah, I think you just, you, well, yeah, you practice angry, but it's like, you know, you got to find a balance of not being lackadaisical. Um, but you want to have fun, obviously, and have a job. But I think, honestly, the last two weeks, just kind of the way we, we it's more of like attacking practice. Um, and in my mind, it is like have a intensity, have a focus, 
Um, and honestly, it's like, hey, try to make the defense out there look silly. I love our defense, but uh, I, you know, I want I want to move the ball up and down on our defense. When we go in team settings, I want to be competitive. I want to treat it like a game situation, and I want to move the ball. I want to hit shots on them, and I want our guys to be competitive too. Obviously, take care of each other, but I want to practice very competitively. You won't use it as an excuse, but what is the challenge of a short week like this? Uh, I think it's just making sure you get your legs and bodies under you, uh, or your legs underneath your body, and making sure you're 100. percent um, You know. You, when a short week, you lose, you know, these precious hours of, uh, you know, therapy, feel good treatment, co-tubs, working out, mobility, um, and then also you, you lose a couple of hours of um, putting in the prep uh, mentally, uh, watching film and stuff. So you gotta you gotta condense all that down in a few short hours. So you gotta be you gotta invest your time very wisely in a short week, and um, you know you may have to sacrifice doing stuff you usually do out throughout the week, and make sure you get your football stuff done um, throughout a short week, and making sure you're up here uh, mentally ready to go and, and body wise. So yeah. The relationship, between, the relationship between you and Cody, would you describe it more as a teacher versus student, or do you feel like it's like a big brother versus little brother this week? Uh, I mean, he, he's taught me a lot. Uh, it's weird. I mean, I don't know. He was here as a rookie. I think you know, even last year at the end, it was more of a big brother, little brother type of thing. I, I just how it's how it is. I still look up to Cody. I can still learn a lot from him. I mean, he's been in the league. He's had success. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just uh, overall a good relationship, and there's nothing negative there. And uh, I'll, I'll always wish him and his family the best. So, yeah. Mason, you had an eight-yard reception on uh, last game. How, yeah. how cool was that? To First get... one. So I had one reception in high school for nine yards, but it wasn't like that. It was actually went out for a route. So that's my first reception in college and professional level. It was kind of cool. And I was like, the ball got batted down and it just kind of fell to the right. And I reached it. And I felt like everyone kind of stopped. I was like, oh, I'm going to take off running, hopefully turn it into something. But uh, it was cool. And I can say I caught, caught a ball. So. How did your nine-yarder in, uh, in high school unfold? Because you were a receiver that year, right? Was that great? Uh, no, it was actually my senior year. So I just like handed it off. And then we did a reverse. And I kind of just went out on a wheel route to the right. And they threw it up to me. It was, I think it was about 11 yards or something like that. They didn't throw you any passes in grade nine when you actually were a receiver? Yeah, they did a little bit, I guess. Since I was a quarterback, I guess, being the quarterback. But yeah. How, uh, how often did you get the ball as a grade nine? Uh, fair, pretty often. I can't remember. I had like, I don't know, they used me a lot for like running the ball and then catching the ball and throwing the ball. So I kind of did everything, kind of touched the ball. But yeah, I, they used me a lot in grade nine. That's Mason Fine. Rob Vanstone getting some uh, high school memories from Mason Fine. Did you play football in grade nine? Uh, or did you play like minor football, no, RMF? I, I was signed up to play on the, on the Dinos. Yeah. Bantam Dinos, but I broke my collarbone playing a pickup game at the Lakewood football field. Oh. So it uh, uh, ended my season. Did you go to grade 10 and play for Riffle at grade 10? No, I went to the training camp, though. But in 11, you started with Riffle. Yeah, grade 11. And you were 11 12 quarterback? I was back up in 11 starter in grade 12. Wow. Yeah. And you were slinging the rock. Yeah. Matt Dominguez so was I your OC. Yeah. So I served my time. You did. You served your time. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Uh, Mason Fine. Can't wait to see him get into action against his buddy Cody Fajardo. We're still trying to get a hold of Cody Fajardo for tomorrow. We'll let you know if uh, he indeed does sign up to get interviewed by us, which would be shocking and I'd it would be, be nice for the fans. I'd be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, if he could... It's like Hogan and Savage putting their differences together, come together for the fans Shawn to Michaels, promote the Bret game. Sean Michaels, Bret Hart. Th- there you go. Yeah. I'm Bret Hart, by the way. I don't like Shawn Michaels. I like Bret Hart. Yeah, I'm I Bret w- Hart. I want to be Bret Hart. I'm Bret Hart. Me. You're Dave Hebner, the ref. Uh, or Earl Hebner. That's, whatever yeah, I, that's Earl. Earl. Yeah. Earl. 
Well, there was Dave too, wasn't there? Yeah, Earl was better though. He okay. had the he had the little belly. He was shorter. <laughs> We're gonna test. He was the, he was the one in the video that games. Is too much WWE talk. <laughs> I'm wearing a shirt. By today. the way, did you see this? So yesterday was the first episode of HBO Hard Knocks, but uh, they were taking part in a practice with Carolina today. The Jets, ten thousand two hundred and seventeen tickets were sold to watch that. For a practice. Yeah, well... We're talking practice. We're not talking game. We're talking practice. 70,000 were in attendance at Lambeau Field to watch uh, basically a walkthrough, Green yeah. Bay Packer walkthrough, yeah, so take that. that. Anyway, we'll take a break to be back with more of the sports cage, including a chat with Ben Wagner. Wags joins us next. Voice of the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, live from... Toronto, but he's calling the game from Cleveland. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. And your sports ticker at 433 is brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right. Just give them a call at 781-2090. And uh, the Arizona Coyotes have made a letter of intent to purchase a parcel of land in Mesa, Arizona, to be the potential spot for a new arena. It was back in May, remember, that voters in Tempe, Arizona, rejected the Coyotes Entertainment District and Arena proposal. So, well, it's on to the next Phoenix suburb. Mesa now in the crosshairs for the Coyotes. We're talking baseball with the latest on the Jays and the MLB. It's Around the Horn with Ben Wagner on the Sports Cage on 620 CKR. Yes, it is Around the Horn with the great radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, Ben Wagner. And Ben, one of your brothers in arms in the radio business and baseball, in the media business and baseball, kind of taking it on the chin and nobody can figure out why. Kevin Brown indefinitely suspended, although I guess the Orioles are going to let him uh, be back in the booth on Friday when they begin a road trip. I watched that clip about 10 times and I don't see anything, you know, that would be, uh, you know, suspension worthy. Well, I've watched it as many times as you have then, and I've known Kevin for the better part of a decade. We went through the wars in the minor leagues together. When he just first graduated from Syracuse, you could tell that his talent was immense. And he's a very gifted broadcaster, first and foremost. And he would not make a misstep to embarrass anybody associated with the organization, let alone an organization that employs him. So to read it initially and find out that somebody had something wrong with what he said and the way it was presented was mind-blowing. The entire Orioles organization has egg on their face out of this. That's the bottom line. And they've they've honestly escalated Kevin Brown's profile, and he's probably going to walk away a better broadcaster and with a higher profile out of just the sheer stupidity from the Baltimore Orioles organization and, and the leadership that starts with the owner, as reported that it was John Angelos in, in his reign that ultimately suspended Kevin Brown. I'm very happy, though, that they came to their senses, that hopefully there was a bigger voice that that got through to whoever needed to hear about this because it was such an egregious act to begin with. Um, And, you know, you take these moments personally as somebody that sits behind a microphone, and, Michael, you know this all too well, too, when you are given the opportunity to present for a fan base the product, uh, it is something we hold near and dear to our hearts. So... To, to know that one specifically Kevin, but any of us would make 
make a remark that would ever jeopardize uh, the quality of the job, their integrity with that job, let alone just the ability for him to walk through the clubhouse the next day or something that he said. I don't think we would ever put ourselves in, that, in those situations. There is certainly the flip side of that where you don't want to paint rainbows and polish apples all the time. You have to be very, very real with the fan base. I'll say this, from a Sportsnet perspective, we have never been directed in what we are supposed to say, how we're supposed to say something. And it's really unfortunate that there is a Major League Baseball team out there that feels that it should be different than that. It's a good way to put it, Ben. Ben Wagner joining us here, Toronto uh, Blue Jays radio voice and a great contributor on our show. What's the update on Bo Bichette? Well, Bo, Bo did not make the road trip. He stayed back when the Blue Jays went to Boston, had that great success this past weekend, and now playing in Cleveland. Bo is back and feeling better day by day. He's receiving a lot of treatment from the medical staff at Rogers Center, and he's been on the field doing some life activity. Everything that could have worked against Bo Bichette, thankfully, has been passed, and the structure of the knee appears to be in better position. The swelling and the inflammation has gone down, and it may be the best-case scenario for his return to play program is the fact that he might even take some swings and really test out the knee this weekend when the Blue Jays are back at home. Man, uh, one of the great moments for me watching sports this weekend, and I was at the Rough Rider game, so we won the game and we were excited there, but it was watching Davis Schneider in his first at-bat in a home run in, in Fenway Park. Are you kidding me? What a moment. I mean, what a moment for somebody that is a feather in the cap for the entire organization. And it may never happen again for the Blue Jays as a franchise where they've got somebody play at every rung on the ladder in minor league baseball to get to the big leagues and then have certainly the success. But these are points of pride for the Blue Jays as a franchise. You know, when you can bring somebody all the way from draft day to the major leagues and, and let alone the splash. And I've seen some of the, the viral videos from Vancouver, from AAA or AA, New Hampshire, I was told firsthand about the moment that the trainer had the game on his phone. Players were watching the game in-game in Lehigh Valley, but also then paying attention to what's going on on the trainer's phone when Schneider hit the home run. This was a moment that was embraced by the entire organization, let alone now uh, the great lore that is David Schneider with the fan base. So Alec Manoa can look to his teammate maybe for a little inspiration. You say Kikuchi had a terrible 2022, but I would suggest... What a, maybe the comeback player of the year for the Blue Jays and an important piece to their pitching puzzle since Manoa hasn't been what we thought he'd be. Well, you know, Alec, Alec had a really strong pitching performance. He yes, kind of he gets did. lost with the runaway win yeah. that the Blue Jays had in Boston. Uh, there, there are steps in the right direction for Alec Manoa. And you say Kikuchi has been such a savior. If you go back over the last two months, the numbers speak for themselves. And last night was just another exclamation point on just how far you say Kikuchi has come. Kikuchi has been the best pitcher for the Blue Jays over the last two months. There have been more consistency out of Kikuchi starts than anybody else that the Blue Jays have rolled out there. And, and that is a significant point for the Blue Jays when they have to make decisions. It looks like Hyunjin Ryu is going to be okay. Make the start on Sunday against the Chicago Cubs. Uh, when the Blue Jays have a decision to make about who shifts out of the six-man rotation because of the, the really quality starts that Kikuchi has, it makes a difficult decision for the Blue Jays and what they have to do. But it also plays into the hand because Kikuchi shifted to that bullpen role and was pretty good when he was shifted out of the, the rotation last year. 
So when the Blue Jays are going to eat somebody like that in the month of September and for the playoffs, you have to have a long man. And Kikuchi looks like he has set the table for that opportunity if the Blue Jays get where they want to go uh, to be a big part of that postseason roster. Well put. And lastly, on the weekend, on Saturday, I believe, coming up, Jose Bautista goes into the level of excellence. What do you think of when you think of uh, Jose Bautista? I think of 54 home runs. I think of a late bloomer and, of course, a franchise-defining moment with the the go-ahead home run for Jose Bautista in that three-run shot against the Texas Rangers who completely kicked that ball game away. But the bat flip, of course, will be one of the more endearing moments. But, you know, Jose, Jose was presented an opportunity to play more than he had with the Pirates, more than he had with the Baltimore Orioles. He had a brief stint with the Tampa Bay Rays. But, you know, he had an opportunity – to do something different, and he took advantage of doing everything. And it was a complete sellout, first from a player perspective. You know, he, he approached it differently than anybody at that time in the game was approaching it from uh, a sports science. He got into sports science. He was all in from the health and nutrition aspect of it to the sleep science of it to then what he was doing from the moment that he walked into the ball game. It was real for him, and he held his teammates accountable too. I think more than anything, it's the impact that Jose Bautista had in this franchise, in a redefining pocket from 2013 when Jose was supposed to be one of the big bats with Eddie Encarnacion and a couple of other guys, the pitching staff, the two, had a lot of expectations with Josh Johnson on it. Uh, Ari Dickey was acquired shortly thereafter, Mark Burley. Those guys had little pockets of success individually, but nobody had their thumbprint on the turnaround of this franchise, especially in 15, especially in 2016, than Jose Bautista did, and he will deservedly find his spot where he deservedly where he belongs where he absolutely should be in blaze and that is on the level of excellence this weekend have a good call tonight my friend i'll be listening thank you michael you be well the sports cage is your locker room pass we're talking riders on saskatchewan sports radio 620 ckrm welcome back to the show i was getting into a bit with bomber fans on twitter i know you're shocked uh, um, 13th Man Sports, some website, uh, rank the uh, top stadiums in the CFL. Okay, I thought it's worth revisiting. We did this a long time ago. Yeah, but I love this. Yeah, topic. so he, he or whoever runs 13th Man Sports puts McMahon Stadium at 9, and then Percival Molson Memorial Stadium at 8. I think those are interchangeable. I put Memorial Stadium, Molson Memorial Stadium, Molson Stadium in Montreal, where we're going on Friday, has a nice... Uh, now, I haven't been there since the new owner took over. It's not like he totally revamped it. I know they renovated a few years ago to put more seats in. Um, looks like more of those seats are being used, thank it's goodness. It's going to be the same as last it's year. It's got a great view of downtown Montreal. Like That's yeah. beautiful. That is beautiful. The setting's beautiful. Got lots of interest architecture around there that does kind of seep into the stadium off the university campus but I'm going uh, that's the worst stadium in the league so that's nine and I got Calgary at eight would you agree with that yeah I've I've always loved Calgary Stadium for some reason okay like I uh... okay well I'll give mine then you give yours so I got I got Montreal at nine I got Calgary at eight now I'm gonna preface this saying I haven't been to two of the stadiums. That's the thing. I, I haven't I haven't been inside Molson Stadium. I've seen it from the outside. Yeah. I can't judge them all. Okay, so I've got, so I've got uh, of the one. Okay, I'll, I'll just do the ones I've been to. Okay, okay? Yeah. the worst stadium is Montreal. Then it's Calgary. Then I'd probably put. Hmm. 
The view in Hamilton. Tim Hortons Field because of the view. The stadium itself is nicer. Aren't but you on like the 10-yard line or yeah, something? Yeah, and I'm about 18 stories high. So I'd put that at the, the third worst stadium I've been at. Now, I like Commonwealth Stadium for the history and everything like that. And my view from the booth myself is good. But if you were a fan, you're far away from the field. Oh, yeah. So I, I I put that one, the the the, the you know the next least uh, stadium that I've been in. Then I'd go, because I haven't been in... Uh, I haven't been in Toronto because we've played both of our games in Halifax, and I haven't been in Ottawa, which I'm going to. Uh, so I guess next would be BC. No, next would be uh, Toronto's um, or uh, Winnipeg's IG Field. I put Winnipeg's IG Field third. I put BC Place, even though it's too big for the team in terms of all the fans they get. I put BC Place second, and Mosaic Stadium is the best stadium in the Canadian Football League. Bomber fans tell me that theirs is way better. They've got two video screens. We only have one. Those video screens are are garbage. Horrible. Horrible. Yeah, they're awful. Horrible. Our broadcast booth, what we have for a broadcast booth in terms of the setup with this, with the video replay and everything like that. Like if I, you'll find this out in Winnipeg when you go, if you're doing the game, you have to, you have to look over your shoulder to see the replay, which is about half a room behind you. Whereas at Mosaic Stadium, it's all right there yeah, for you. Just, like, like our broadcast yeah. booth and the visiting broadcast booth, perfect. The sight lines, they might be a bit better in Winnipeg only because they built the stadium more up and down like an NFL stadium where ours is out. Like I know Evan Home of the Blue Bombers, and we've got some Winnipeg fans listening. Evan Home of the Blue Bombers is a friend of my son. They played together at UND. And Evan Home goes, how much? Says, Ethan. Hey, Ballsy. That's what they call it. Hey, Ballsy. What the... What is that? Mosaic Stadium seat? Does it seat like forty five, fifty thousand? And Ethan's like, No, it's I think it's like three thousand more than your stadium in Winnipeg, like thirty three thousand. He goes, Wow, it looks so much bigger. It does. Like when I look at you've been there, I haven't. Now I know they've got like escalators up the side, but I picture Mosaic Stadium to be like uh the Cincinnati Bengals Stadium. Yeah. The the thing that makes Mosaic Stadium have more of an NFL feel compared to IG Field is the the north end zone has like two decks, right? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And you look across the league in the Canadian Football League, you won't find another stadium in the league that has two decks behind an end zone. And By the way, folks, nobody knows jerseys and stadiums like that guy, you know Sean Kleiser. You know yeah. what I mean? That's so, a good point because yeah. they've got the they've got the Rum Hut. We've got Pilsner Place. They've got that one lower area in the end zone on either side. We've got the upper deck, mm-hmm. and we got a nice area for concerts underneath the jumbotron. And our jumbotron's as big as an NBA court. Yeah, it is, and it's way better. Yeah. Way better. I, I I would just like to hear the reasoning well, they or, said, the, or the reasons for why. Because most of it was we have the loudest fans and it's the best game yeah, experience. Yeah, but we're not, we're, not, we're, not ta- we're talking about the structure of the building. Which I will say, anybody who is not in Winnipeg or from Winnipeg says that Regina has the best stadium. Even like the Moj, the, the longtime voice of the BC Lions, he went on the Twitter thread and said, no, it's Mosaic Stadium. And he, he works the, with the BC Lions, so he's been mm-hmm. through them all. Most people say they love coming here. How about Bobby Dubois, who's been on this show, the fan, the super fan? Yeah. It's been to every stadium. He said ours is the best, and it's not even close. Yep. No. Winnipeg just doesn't like it because they lost the Grey Cup here. 
We have better team facilities. Like I've been underneath for both, where the Bisons and the and the Bombers share there, and the Riders here. Riders is better. I I feel like IG Field's concourse too in the 100 level is a lot skinnier compared to yeah. Mosaic Stadium, and that's that's a big thing you got to think about when you think about when well, you make these they've rankings. Got more, they've got they've got more open concourse, but what I will tell you is this, which I think gives our stadium an advantage. I know we're going all uh, no, artsy fartsy on you here, cool. but um, no, uh, this is this is uh, what makes it better. If there is a storm or something, you can go underneath in our stadium. Like there, you, there's an area where you can, you know, go underneath. Uh, f- to my knowledge, there's not a lot in Winnipeg. It's more open that way, mm-hmm. like Harvard Studio Six Twenty. Yeah, that type you can go in that type thing, yep. or just underneath in the concourse. Yeah, I guess. There, yep, yep, it's underneath. Yep. You can get, you can uh, kind of block off there. Whereas in Winnipeg, I think it's more open. Like their concourse is wider open. So, yeah, I don't know. And it's in Regina. It's not in Winnipeg. The video boards are something that that have always really irked me in Winnipeg. They're just like on two silver poles and they're so small and tiny looking it's no it was done on the cheap it was done on the cheap they got to put some kind of like advertisement or like a bomber's logo underneath of the scoreboard to fill that gap there it just looks like they don't have and they don't let's let's get something straight here they don't have the loudest fans they have the loudest setup so they do have great fans give it to them they do have great fans and they're showing up now that their team is winning okay Took them three years, but they finally have the the lead in attendance. Congratulations. You finally figured it out that you have a decent team worth watching. And when you get there and you yell, it is very loud because of the way that it's built. It's built. It's got that cheap roof on the yeah, top. Those canopies. That, that keeps everything in. So that does make it louder. For the rip sure. off of Seattle. For sure. It's, that's just, it's just the science behind it. The like w- their the way stadium is a nice new spec home. Ours is a mansion in Wascana View. That's what ours is. Facts, baby. It is the facts. Facts, baby. Hey, uh, let's talk a little bit about this game while we got a couple of minutes. Uh, Montreal. We got two teams coming off a big comebacks. The Alouettes outscored uh, Hamilton eighteen nothing in the fourth quarter last week uh, to win their game, and of course the Rough Riders fourth quarter comeback with a field goal from Brett Lothar from fifty four yards away. He's ten for ten in clutch field goal situations to win games, man. Uh, the Riders are four and one in games decided by four points or less, and the uh, Montreal Alouettes actually have not been in close games yet. Uh, they haven't had a game closer than a seven-point margin in 2023. This is career game number 100 for Cody. He'll play even though he's hurt. Uh, it's first ever game against the Riders. Against all other clubs, he's 31 and 20 and 51 starts. Um, four and one record um, oh, sorry, two and one on the road, two and two at home. Cody has really improved his deep ball. He passed for a season high 318 yards last week, four gains of 30 plus or more. Um, and the Riders, how about this singer? We're talking about their O line. Short yardage hasn't been good, but it was their first sack free football game since September 30th, 2022, which is a span of 10 games. Hmm. Prior to that, uh, in the last uh, prior to last week, they had allowed 46 sacks over 10 games. Those 10 games. Yeah, I'm just looking at uh, the teams the Montreal Alouettes have uh, beaten this year. They've beaten Hamilton twice. Yep. They've beaten Ottawa, mm-hmm. and they've beaten Calgary. They haven't beat anybody. They beat Calgary. We beat Calgary. They beat Calgary, and we, we beat, beat we, Ottawa, and they beat Ottawa, and they beat Hamilton twice. And we haven't played Hamilton. The so, teams that when Allo, when Montreal has played BC thirty five to nineteen, you give Winnipeg me seven. You tell to me three. that you tell me Toronto. I loss. would bet. I would bet the house that I have 
It's going to be a good game. I would bet the house that I have that if the Riders and the Alouettes were to meet with both having the same amount of rest, the same amount of practice time, the Rough Riders would win. That's the only thing that I think gives Montreal the slight home field advantage here. The Riders got to travel on a short week with one practice and say what you want, excuses, blah, blah, blah. Those are facts. So Yeah, it's one day different. I mean, Montreal played on Saturday. The Riders played on Sunday. So that, that 24 hours, you know. Well, that, you got to travel. That, yeah, that, the travel day plus that 24 hours, the extra practice day, mm-hmm. people, I mean, that is... That is. That's like two days. I so. got the riders. Now, the last I saw, the odds were 4.5. I got the riders. I got the Saskatchewan Rough Riders by four. That reminds me. We have Sastel pick the score today. Oh, we got, I think we have two because I didn't do one yesterday. Yeah. We got two, don't we? Well, let's, I have one in my system, but I can. Uh, okay. Let's, let's well, I didn't do, do one yesterday. I could just send off the email, baby, okay, and make let's it do happen. It. Right now, 936 6262. You give us a call right now. No, you text us yeah, right yeah. now, and you text us. Uh, let's come up with a trivia question. What year was Kerry Joseph the. No, 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 no. What day was Wayne Gretzky traded on and the year? 936 6262. You do that. And you pick the score for us, okay? Give us that trivia. Pick the score for the game coming up on Friday with all your information. We pick you. You'll be going to the next Riders home game against the BC Lions. 936-6262, the number to text. We'll take a break and be back with more in a moment on 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. All right, let's get after it. Hour number three of the show. 936-6262. In town, toll free, out of town, one 620 Pick the score. So what we're playing courtesy of Sass. Tell you, call in, you pick the score of the game between the Riders and the Alouettes on Friday. You get two tickets to the Riders' next game, which is against BC Lions August 20th, the game before the bye. And then uh, if you're closest to picking the score, that score, you will get a $200 gift card to Sastel and then be in the running for a sweet experience. You and three others could be watching a Rider game next season in a luxury suite. Let us um, go out on the um, Western Pizza Hotline and say hi to Bradley. Bradley, go ahead, man. How are you, bud? Great. Yourself? Good, man. So what's your score? What's your score? Uh, 42 Mm-hmm. 28 riders. 42-28 riders. You think they're going to smack them? Oh, yeah, for sure. Are you liking how Mason Fine's playing? Very well. Yeah. I'm, uh, you need all the love and support. Yeah, that's the thing. we got to get behind that guy, get behind the entire team. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't see a lot of ne- – there shouldn't be a lot of negativity around a 4-4 four and four team. I think the other thing I was asking for is uh, what day and year was Wayne Gretzky traded? Uh, August 9th, 1988. There you go. 35 years ago today. Are you an Oilers fan? Are you an Oilers fan? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It yeah, it's terrible, man. But, hey. But now I'm a Leafs fan, so. You're a Sorry. Leaf? I, I love Tro- uh, Edmonton still, too, but Toronto's my team now. You switched to Toronto? Yeah. Because of Gilmore or what? Of course. Oh, yuck. That's the guy I hate no. the most. Still oh. Wendell Clark. Oh, I like Wendell Clark, but come on, like that you can't go from going from the Oilers to the Leafs is like going from the penthouse to the outhouse. Oh, at least it's not Montreal. Come on, actually, I like Montreal better. 
<laughs> We're fighting now. Okay, Brad. Uh, so you got it 42-28. If you're closest to the score, uh, you got your or have it right on the money, you'll get a $200 gift card from SaskTel, and then you'll be in the running for a, a sweet experience next year, okay? Awesome. Thanks, man. Take care. You. See you, bud. Bye. All right. So there you go. Another satisfied customer. Well, Coach Craig Dickinson always holds his press conferences, uh, uh, well, every day. But today he was inside where he meet in the in the media room because it was raining outside. And so this is uh, presser playback number two. We just didn't have a spot for him, unfortunately. You know, we, we feel like we've got good young receivers in-house. And um, it was a tough decision, you know, releasing a – a veteran player that's a good guy, you know, through and through, and was really a good player for us. But we have only so many spots, and we just didn't have a spot. So some of the younger guys coming up and also getting healthier at this mm-hmm. point in the season? Yeah, yeah. We're starting to get a little bit healthier, and, and Tevin Jones has played really well, so we weren't going to sit him. Craig, your thoughts this week? Obviously, Cody Pajaro and Jason Moss on the other side. Yeah, it really doesn't matter who we're playing. I mean... Coaches say that all the time, and most of the time it really is true. You worry about your own team. Um, they're a good football team, though. Um, Moss will have them ready to go, and I, I'm sure Cody's motivated to play well. And They're a really physical team across the board, and their special teams are outstanding. So, um, you know, it's going to be a tough game regardless of who's over there. The fact that it's Jason and Cody, maybe that'll add a little motivation on their side, but not really for us. We're trying to just play our best game and, and put our best foot forward. Is it a big deal only having one practice this week? No. I mean, we'd like more, Michael, but well, we're going to err on the side of making sure we're fresh or at least doing the best we can. Cody and Jason have said that they kind of <coughs> feel like they were the scapegoats for what went on last season with the struggles. Your, your response to that? It's too bad they feel that way. That's my response. Do you have any ill will? or <clears throat> No, not at all. I mean, I wish them all the best except for this week. <laughs> what went, in going back to the offseason, to the decision to move on from both of them? We, we weren't good enough on offense last year, and there was a multitude of reasons, and um, we felt like we needed to make change, needed some, uh, some um, fresh ideas and some new faces, and that's why we did it. You know, if we would have been successful, they'd still be here. Um, but we weren't good enough on offense, and we felt like we needed to make changes, and you know, I had a pretty good visit with Jason when, when we let him go, and he understood. He didn't like it, but he understood, and uh, he landed on his feet just fine, you know. So I never, I would never wish uh, anybody to, to not have success, and I'm happy that they both have found a new home in Montreal and that they're doing well, and hopefully they're enjoying, enjoying working and, and living in Montreal. Craig, how far away is Ken Schaefer Baker now? Are we still talking Labor uh, Day? Two to three still, he's, but he's getting better each week. Um, we're going to push him to try to do a little more next week. With a short week, are you more focused on preparation or execution? Uh, probably the latter. You know, I mean, we, we don't have a lot of time to put a bunch of new stuff in, Dan, so we'll have to run what we run and run it well. We do got a few wrinkles in, and we worked on them today. But the main thing, as I said with Michael's question, we're going to try our best to be as fresh as we can be and, and as, uh, you know, as healthy as we can be. And we felt like... Uh, one practice this week was going to going to help us in, in terms of that. That's Coach Craig Dickinson. Um, as his team only practiced today, a closed practice. They'll have a walk through tomorrow. Get it on the plane. Arrive in Montreal at seven forty-five at night. Hotel eight thirty. 
room check 11, get up, have some breakfast, do whatever you want uh, within reason, and then let's play some football. Let's uh, let's get after some Alouettes, get our second straight win, be 5-4 and four coming back for the uh, game against the BC Lions. That's how I'm feeling. Riders by 4. Let's eat some bird. 24-20, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Well, poutine, not bird, yeah. yeah. Maybe not bird. Pluck their wings! Yeah, let's pluck those wings. Pluck their uh, wings. I, I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. Well, 24-20 is low scoring. Yeah, I'm just looking at this score that Bradley gave, 42 No, that's too high. Uh, just wait. All right. The final score is 23-22 to 22 for the Rough Riders. Ooh, field goal to win it or a the rouge in Montreal? The it's it's, it's going to be 22-20, to 20, and then, yeah, we're going to kick a field goal to win it, baby. Yeah, okay. I see the future. Where's the lottery? 23-22 or 23-20? No, 23-22. Okay, yeah, it's going to be 22-20. to 20. We're going to be down by Are you going to listen to the game? Are you going to be like one of those people listening to the game? Yeah, I'm going to tune in. Are you? For sure. Oh, yeah. I want to see what... I need, I need to know what's going on. Like, uh, Well, then you're not going to be listening to our broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> They're the names we speak with reverence or scream out loud. The names that help define us, inspire us, and build the game that we all love. Each Wednesday on the Sports Cage, we flash to the past with a legend to see if there is indeed life beyond the scoreboard. This is Where Are They Now? Floor Coverings International, obviously sponsoring this great segment, Where Are They Now? We do it on Wednesdays, and uh, we're going to talk to one of the rivals. Uh, we can we we can like them now. I didn't like them back in the day growing up, man. Uh, James Murphy is the fifteenth name to be added to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers Ring of Honor over there at IG Field. Uh, welcome to the show, James. Congratulations. How does that feel, man? Uh, it, it feels awesome. It feels. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say thank you very much. This is actually uh, some icing on the cake for me to have a, a rider supporters and fans to help me on and talk about uh, my career in the CFL, but no, it just feels fantastic, and I'm I'm very honored and, and grateful to uh, have this honor bestowed on me. Okay, so first memory as a Winnipeg Blue Bomber or one you you, you kind of go back to in your mind, is there one? Well, uh, well if, if uh, memory was certainly for me would be uh, 1984 uh, Western Final in the BC Place. And uh, we, uh, I made a catch at the end of the game that, that make us, that had us uh, to go up uh, and win, eventually win the game, uh, score the winning touchdown to win the game, to go to the Great Cup for the first time in 22 years, was uh, probably a, a moment in my, my football career that I probably etched into my mind. Because when you think about, and I know you guys know this feeling, not having been uh, in the Great Cup for, for a while, these folks were, 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 was hungry, so... It was the same feeling. I know that feeling, and, and, and to be able to make that catch that day in in, uh, in, in a newly uh, BC place was probably a moment that's etched in my mind for uh, eternity. Yeah, it was twelve then, and that's a hate. That was a heyday, man, no. of, this, of the C- <laughs> CFL. You, the, the the joints were sold out. You only got one game a yeah. week up here for the NFL on TV, so we weren't as exposed yeah. to that. So uh, that's all we knew, and I sometimes miss those days. You won a championship in 84, 88, and 90. You were in a, in a beautiful stretch of football there for Winnipeg. They're back there again. What does it take to be a consistent winner, in your opinion? Well, I, I think what it really takes is everybody being able to buy in. 
you know, everybody on the same page from, uh, and, and, uh, and that takes a lot of commitment. And if you don't have, if you don't have all will turn in one heartbeat out of all of those guys, it's going to be a struggle. And, and, uh, and that's what we had uh, over the years that I played was everybody bought into the program from the top to the bottom, meaning the coaches, the front office, the players, the equipment managers, everybody. And, and, and then when you throw the fans in there as well, and you guys in Saskatchewan probably got the best fans in the CFL, and I probably shouldn't say that too loud because we got some really good ones here at Winnipeg as well. <laughs> but when you mix that all together, when you're able to get that, it's real special, Michael, it, 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 and, and it's kind of hard to describe. But once you got that feeling, and we had it with guys like James West, Tyrone Jones, Chris Walby, uh, Clemens, and Huffnagle, and, and Reeves, and Boyd, Poplowski House, when you got a group of guys like that playing for one common goal, uh, you know, everybody buys in and, 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 and we become bonded as brothers. And you probably, being a competitor that you are, James, you want to do better than your teammates. And then by that, by extension, your team does well because you mentioned Boyd, Poplowski, you know, the Rick Houses of the world, the Willard Reeves. <laughs> you know, if Jeff Boyd goes for 7 and 150, well, J- James Murphy's like, yeah, uh, that's good. That's good. Good job, Jeff. But then you're over here going, like, I got to get me 200. And that was exactly, exactly our attitude. Jeff used to always come over to me and say, you always got to do one up on me. Right? <laughs> and, uh, and back then, I didn't really, I was just, you know, out having fun and trying to do my thing. Yeah. But he did use that, and that's a great analogy. That's a great point that you made. And that really, was, uh, the way it was for us, that we were always trying to outdo each other. And in a, in, in a fun way, and not, not a jealous way, because we knew if we outdid uh, one another, that's going to probably, uh, you know, uh, be, a, be a, a win for us. And, and uh, we handled it with grace. We handled it with, uh, like, a brotherhood. And I think that was important when I, when, when I was talking about putting that together, that competitive spirit together for one common goal. I don't think that's how you develop championships. 1986, I think you had 116 catches for, like, 1,700 yards, and you were named the most outstanding player in the league. But in 1988, you were uh... – you were named the most uh, valuable offensive player of the Grey Cup, 22-21 over BC. What's wh- what are you more proud of, that or or the '86 season? I, I, I think '86 season because '86 season is when I had to come in. I had to make a statement. I wanted to make a statement that uh, I was going to be the best football player, the most outstanding player in the, in, the, in the Canadian Football League, and I made that that pact to myself in the off season and, and after nineteen eighty five season and I put the work in. I worked I religiously it became a regiment for me in the off season. And and, and when it was starting to happen it was things was rolling for me in eighty six. I was thinking like, man, I gotta keep this up. I mean I was in a good place mentally, physically, uh, I was just in a good place and, and, and I think it paid off the hard work that I put up uh, I put in paid off. So I although eighty six that was real special because because uh, the guys uh, rally at the end to be able to win that championship, and that's why I played the game. I mm-hmm. played. I didn't play for you know uh, catches and, mm-hmm. and yards. I played for winning championships. And and uh, to, so the, so nineteen eighty eight, you know, when we was eight and eight or nine and nine, and, and we're still able to steal a great cup with uh, 
man, that's a, that's a special feeling in itself as well. So, uh, James, just a couple more quick questions for you. So, mm-hmm. uh, I, I've talked to a few of the, the competitors that went against you in the secondary, and there's two things they remember about you. Number one, number 21, that number kind of stood out because it wasn't a, uh, you know, receiver numbers were in the 80s or the low numbers. Yeah. They weren't 21. Yeah. 21 was almost the number they gave you as a receiver when you came to camp, and it's like you're going to get cut, so just give them 21. Who cares? Well, how did you, co- <laughs> how did you come up with 21? Well, that's a good story because uh, actually uh, they wanted to give me number 34. <laughs> and uh, for me, uh, 34, man, no, I had to go in to coach Yop and, uh, uh, because 21 was available. And then Amy, I don't know if you heard, there's a lot of stories about Amy, how tight he was up here. Mm-hmm. But then anyway, I had to go to coach Yop and say, uh, he won't let me have number 21. And, uh, and, because and, 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 Lena even looked at me and like, you just trying to know his rookie. You, you give, get what I take you, uh, give you. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up going in, and uh, number 21 was a, a, a fast number to me. Okay. That was uh, a Cliff Branch. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. 25, and I wore, wore 25 in high school. So, so to me, that's, that, that represented speed. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I, you know, Cliff Branch, of course, was one of my idols. And, and uh, so that's why I chose the number. You were 5'10", but you were kind of like a, a ball of hate. Okay, that's what the other guys tell me. You're like you 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 weren't tall. You weren't a tall guy, and you I love it. and you weren't a lean guy. But guys have told me this, and Glenn Suter told me this. I used to hate playing James Murphy because I would whack him and think I really got him this time, and he'd bounce up like a mosquito hit a windshield and wouldn't care, just walked away. Yeah, well, that's right. And I I wasn't a prototype. Uh, receiver, but I, but I, my secret was I was strong. I can bench over 300 pounds. I bench press uh, a lot of time more uh, than a lot of the offensive linemen and defensive linemen. I'll be in the in, in the weight room with James West and and, and all these uh, super strong guys, and they'll be looking at me like. But it was a regiment for me from high school. You know, we Dick Buckus used to come to my high my high school Adams in Florida, and we built a million dollar uh, uh, equipment, uh, Nautilus equipment at the time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so and my my high school coach was a pro football player, so he understood how uh, the importance of, of strength. So I learned at a real early age that, and, and, and my mindset was catch the football and pay for it. So, so to be able to pay for it, I got to be able to take hits. So I had to be strong, and that was my mentality over the years. And I just got stronger and stronger. And a lot of guys, like I said, they measured me by my height and not by my heart and my and my strength. And and that was a, I guess that was an asset to me, right? Yeah. It so it worked out for me. So James Murphy is a 63 year old Floridian who has stayed in Winnipeg. So how much? Uh... You know, you, you, you're in this community, you're still tied to the Bombers, you probably go to games regularly. James, that probably adds to the importance of being the 15th guy added to the to the Ring of Honor, being that you're still in the community. Oh, it, it, it's, I, I've, been getting, I've been getting phone calls, texts, you know, all kind of love out of this community. It's just been overwhelming uh, support, and it's just sometimes I just I, I, I don't know I don't know what to say because it's just uh, and and I always felt love in this city wherever I go people recognize me and always have nice things to say nice to me so I I really appreciate that and for me uh, enjoy going in, working in the community I work for the Manitoba Construction Sector Council what we do is is uh, education and training and part of my job is going into schools and promoting the the, the uh, construction trades to kids as, as a matter of fact today. We're teaching some kids how to read tape measures. We're teaching these kids how to build a patio end table. 
learning some skills so as they get older, maybe they may want to consider and be able to make some informed decisions about their career. As you know, a lot of kids, they don't know what they want to do out of high school. So what we do is sort of give them some ideas about all these different trades and different opportunities. And that's been my job for the last 15 years. And, and I'm able to use, when I go to the schools, and I tell them that I played for the Blue Bombers, I got their attention. So then now I got something to sell to them. And so it, this, is, this has been a real, uh, real good thing for me. And I'd and, uh, like to maybe hang it up uh, in another year or so and move on. But uh, I'm real proud. And, and I just want to be that, that to be a part of my legacy, not just a, as a football player, but a person that gave back to the community. Well, speaking of building, James Murphy helped build this great league that we're still enjoying. Even though he played for the enemy, uh, we have to <laughs> tip our hat to what he did. And, and by the way, it's going to be a nice tie-in because James Murphy goes into the ring of honor. It, we don't call it the Banjo Bowl anymore here. You guys might. We call it the Labor Day Re- match and we'll be there to uh, help you celebrate going on to the ring of honor thank you very much for your time james thank you for having me i really appreciate it enjoy the rest of your day back with your sports ticker for busy b overhead busy b will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out catch the buzz busy b doors the garage door specialists so what's happening across the world of sports tonight well i can tell you this despite last night's one to nothing loss in cleveland the toronto blue jays they are still hanging on to that final playoff spot in the american league going into play tonight toronto holds a 64 and 51 record and are two games up on the Seattle Mariners for the uh, third and uh, final wild card spot in the American League. I'm just trying to check the score here. I had it in one front of me. It's one nothing Blue Jays. Top of, the Top of the second. There you go. You heard Ballsy in the background. Why am I even doing this? Ballsy. Okay, okay. Blue Jays. Blue, Blue Jays. Let's play ball. We're on a rampage. From sideline Sideline, the sports cage has you of Rams football covered. Well, with the Regina Red Sox season ending and the Regina Pats season not quite fired up, we're going to focus on the Regina Rams with our Rampage report. Training camp opens up in two days over there at the uh, field at the University of Regina. The Regina Rams will take to the field on August 24th at Mosaic Stadium in a preseason tilt versus the Manitoba Bisons. Then on September the 1st, I know of a really good broadcaster that has a birthday that day. I wonder who he is. Okay, not a really good broadcaster. It's my birthday. Anyway, I won't be at that game because I'll be down south watching my kid, but I know one guy who will be there. That'll be our friend Sean Kleisinger. He is the new voice of the University of Regina Rams as they open up the season at home against Blake Nill, Mason Nias, the new quarterback's coach for the UBC Thunderbirds, and uh, it's going to be a great game as the Rams, who were picked last in the conference last year and exceeded expectations big time, will come in this year and ready to face the opposition because they're not going to sneak up on anybody. That's your Rampage Report. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM.
He dead meat. Yeah. He gone. He gone. <laughs> Rough Riders taking on the Alouettes on Friday, 2.30 pregame show, 5.30 kickoff right here on your source for everything in Saskatchewan on the airwaves, 6.20 CKRM and our Rough Rider radio network. Uh, you got to be, you got, you, you got a smile on your face every time somebody says new voice of the Rams. You're pretty pumped, eh? Oh, yeah. Who's baby. your favorite Ram of all time? Favorite Ram of all time. Because you've been a public address announcer, too, so it's not like you haven't been a, besides your buddy Jen's job. John, Jens J- Johnson, or what was his last name? Yeah, Jens Johnson. Yeah. Noah uh, Picton, good friend of mine. Yeah. He, he was at my wedding. Yeah. Noah was? Noah was, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, But I am going to go back to my roots on this one. Mm-hmm. My favorite Ram of all time would probably be Jason Claremont. Claremont. Yeah, JC. John Ryan was a good man. They had a good team. Neil Hughes. Yeah. They had a great. Daryl Leeson was the quarterback. They had some great players. But Michael Thomas played for them, but I would also say my my cousin played on the Rams. Who's too, that? Jared Kleisinger. Oh, Jared. Yeah, I remember he's my, Jared. My first cousin. Okay. So he's my my dad's brother's son. So your green and gold blood runs deep. It runs deep. I went to games young. 1998 Canadian Bowl. Well, I would tell you that I'm uh, I'm not a fan of the Colorado uh, the Colorado Rams look. Not a fan of the Colorado State Rams look. I like the white horns. I like back the old days. The white horns, the white masks that I used to wear back yeah, in the day. No, I wish that the Regina Rams would have a nice like alternate uni look. Yeah. A nice throwback. Yeah. Like an old school throwback. They should go for that. Because those unis, oh, those were so nice. That's the uni that they wore hey, during f- the Canadian Bowl. I forgot to ask Farhan Lalji. I should have asked him. Is, you think he's going to go be the AD at SFU now? The Wouldn't Teresa Hansen got punted out? Wow. I mean, he is an alumni. Never played there, but he's an alumni guy. Farhan's upset because the University of Washington is moving to the Big Ten. Is he? I never asked him about yeah, that. Yeah, I, I talked to him about it last week. Oh, on, and he's mad? Friday. He's mad? He's a traditionalist. Yeah. Well, and so are you. You'd be mad, too. I am mad. I am mad, the, too. The, the, the Pac-12 is just no Herbie's longer. Herbie's mad, too. Herbert's kind of choked, yeah, too, a little bit. It's, it's no longer. No, There's no teams left. Nah, it's 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 brutal. Somebody's calling us? Yeah. Yeah, uh, let's let's go for it. Let's All see right. what we got here. Hi, who's this? John Habsham. John, what's up, man? What do you want to say? Hey, I just want to say I agree with you on the Rams. I wish they'd go back to the all white and green. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I don't like the the gold uh, Ram horns either. Yeah, uh, John. Uh, now that you're here, it's time to barbecue you. It's time to put you on the rotisserie and flip you around a few times. Yeah, let's flip John yeah, around. John, John, how about that Mason Fine kid? Looked pretty good, didn't he, John? Yeah. Uh, he looked okay. Oh, John. He, John, he's averaging 300 yards passing without a running game. Per game, he's out there. What do you mean he looks okay? You tell me, besides, besides, listen, John, be honest here, besides Kalaros and Chad Kelly, who playing quarterback in the CFL right now would you put ahead of him? Probably Jake Mayer. Oh no oh, way! Jake and the I like snake? I love Jake the Snake. I'd say they're pretty even, actually. See, Jake's got a Jake's got a better running game. Yeah, he does. Uh, you know, that's almost non-existent this year. I don't know. Like um, last year, Morrow was better than he was. I 
I just don't know what's wrong. Yeah, well, I don't know. It's a combination of things. Okay, so in Toronto, they got Cameron Dukes, and I forget the other guy. That's how that's how brand name he is. They got Caleb Evans and some, I think, Davis Alexander in Montreal. Uh, in Edmonton, who cares? Um, and BC's got Vernon Adams and Dane Evans. I'd take Mason, Mason Fine over both those guys. Well... Maybe. We'll see what he does here. Oh, John, we'll see what he does here. So what are you going to say? If he do, if he wins this game, are you going to call back and say, well, I mean, come on, they played Cody. Uh, that's what you'll say. You'll say, I want to see him against BC. Yeah. And then you'll say, well, I want to see him against Winnipeg. When are you going to say Mason Fine is a competent CFL quarterback that can get us to the playoffs? Yeah. Come on, John. Yeah, be a believer, John. Come on. Well, I'll, I'll wait and see, guys. I mean, even a, a blind squirrel finds a nut every now oh, and then. Oh, John, John, John. Breaks my heart. John, how long did it take you to buy into Carey Price? As soon as he was drafted, I watched him here when he came with Tri-Cities. I don't and know. And then that World Junior, I, then when I saw him in that World Junior when they beat the U.S., I knew he'd be as uh, good as they said he was. John, our quarterback threw for 296 yards and a touchdown and got us into a game-winning field goal to win the game on home turf. And you're still not going to believe in him. What more do you want? Okay, there's a better question, John. What more do you want to see from Mason Fine to make you a believer? To do what Nathan Rourke did. Oh, he can't compare. Oh, oh come John. on. John, Nathan Rourke is otherworldly. Nathan Rourke is on another planet. You can't even. Trevor Harris never did what Nathan Rourke did. Zach Kalaros never did what Nathan Rourke did. And Nathan Rourke, might I say, only played nine games. Maybe the defense catches up with him in the last nine games. He was hurt for most of the year. Come on, John. If that's your benchmark, come on. Well, guys, you know, that's the way it is for, for me. And <laughs> I love it. John, I love you, man. I love you, man. But you got to get into the you got to get into the fine camp. Sooner or later you're going to break down, John, sooner or later. Well, you know, Ballsy, before he threw these touchdowns like you were saying and, and I said when you were off, I called in and I I said to Zinger that uh, it's like Connor McDavid getting 10 shots a game if he doesn't score any goals. What good are those shots? Yeah, but but come on, John. Is it his fault when he gets him down at the goal line and Morrow fumbles in the end zone after he's thrown no, some? No, that's not his fault. Okay. Then he drops back the pass and he puts it in the end zone. Slightly high, but still a, a, a catchable ball for a six foot four receiver and he drops it in the end zone. Is that his fault? No, that's not. That's so, so there you go. He had two touchdown drives that got called back. So, and and last year he started two games, and half the team uh, was waiting for their plane ticket, like you like to say, their dinner on Delta to go home. So he was starting two garbage games. Like, so we're we're way too hard on our quarterbacks here. Let's get be. Come on, John. We need you, John, a big Ryder fan, to get behind Mason. Fine. Tell me you're getting behind him this Friday. Like I said, we'll see. Oh, oh. see you, John. <laughs> Goodbye, John. That hurts me, John. That just hurts me, John. I, I like the guy, but God, the guy, I just like to grab him and shake him some. We'll see. What do you mean, we'll see? Hey, I, I, I will say this. The Regina Rams still have the nicest helmet in the country. There's no doubt about it. I I, I don't. In dis- the collegiate level. I never. Hey, I like the horns. I'm a. 
I st- the gold still looks good. I just, I'm I agree the, with you. I like I, I yeah. like the white. But with that said, the gold horns. Yeah, it's still the nicest. They're helmet. still a great uni. There's no doubt about it. Anyway. Still the nicest in the league. Okay, so I caught up with Peter. Huskies G- have the worst. I I I, 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 I stuck up with <laughs> yeah. I stuck up with well anything in Saskatoon. I stuck up with Peter. Go- oh no, I can't say that. I'm voice of the riders. I like Saskatoon too. Yeah. Peter Godber. I sat down with him. And the man showed me some respect. Mm-hmm. Hit that one. Here with Ryder Center, Peter Godber. Listen, I know there's been a running gag the whole time when you interview a lineman. You gotta, you gotta kind of do something behind the scenes. What's that all about? Because you just asked Lofton permission if you could just have a straight up interview. Um, so it started a few years ago here, but um, I'm not sure if I should be able to. Oh, I'm not, not going to say. I'm it? Not sh- okay. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'll send it for the boys. Yeah, it started a few years ago. We have a, we have a fine list here. Okay. And one of the fines is not saying a word on the interview, so it's become like a running joke this year. Oh, okay. That you got to say a word and you got to slip it in though, because you guys can't catch on to us. Okay. Okay. So. Okay. Well, I'll listen for it down the line. <laughs> uh, so uh, talk about uh, the game last week. It was it was a lot closer than maybe it needed to be, but uh, a win's a win, right? We don't critique wins. Uh, I mean, yeah, we definitely critique wins here, and uh, just like every loss or every yeah, win, you yeah. critique it, you try and get better, and you move yeah. on. But you know, we know we weren't good enough on offense, and uh, that's the bottom line. We got to get better at a lot of areas, uh, including short yardage, and we know that we've addressed that, and we're going to fix it and move on. But you know, our defense is playing at an exceptionally high level right now, and we have to do our do our job on offense and, and convert when we need to convert and help them out. I'm a 168 pound radio announcer, so I wouldn't pretend to be an offensive lineman. Tell us what what's the key to short yardage? Because people say, "Well, it's third and one. They give a, they give a yard. It should be easy to get a yard." We know it's not. What's the key to to short yardage? You know, there, there's two things: pad level and keep on moving your feet. And uh, yeah, so that's that's the two things: pad level, move your feet. Um, you know. We, we got to get those plays on third and one, yeah. you know, that we expect to get it, and, and that's what we need to do. And this year we haven't been great on 